The views and opinions expressed by tonight's guest and topic of discussion do not necessarily represent the official policy or position of Spaced Out Radio. Spaced Out Weekend, Spaced Out Radio Limited, its hosts, syndicated carriers, or anyone associated with this broadcast. Any rebroadcast, reproduction, or other use of this broadcast or podcast without the express written consent of Spaced Out Radio or Spaced Out Radio Limited is strictly prohibited. Listener discretion is advised. the mountains of British Columbia to you listening around the world. This is Spaced Out Radio with host Dave Scott. They let us play with all our toys. They let us think that we're big boys. They let us make a lot of noise but we're in the world. They let us think we're Superman. You can follow us on our website, spacedoutradio.com on iTunes and tune in. Follow Dave on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio on Facebook at Spaced Out Radio Show, or on our YouTube channel, Spaced Out Radio Show. Are you playing with Bigfoot and aliens again? Uh, Dad, you gotta stop haunting the goat. It's scaring them. All right, seriously, put down the pointy sticks. Word is. Alright, alright, alright. Buckle up, space travelers. It's time to go for a ride on Spaced Out Radio. Mr. Bumblefoot, Dave is ready for liftoff. Seriously, Dave? Really? Aren't you a little old for a tinfoil hat? I am. Toby. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Please take your seat above us. There will be a good chance to take off. 
and welcome to Spaced Out Radio tonight. I am your host, Dave Scott. It's good to have you along for the ride on this Monday, July 17th, Tuesday, July 18th. If you're on the East Coast or across the pond, man, it's good to be back. Hope you've had a great day. We are live right here in the Great White North on top of the Smoky Mountains of Central British Columbia as we are live seven days a week. Let's welcome in our terrestrial radio stations. WQEE 99 Rock the Key down in Noonan, Georgia, home of the Walking Dead. We are live as well on the United Public Radio Network on 107.7 FM in New Orleans and over 160 countries around the world. We are live on SpacedOutRadio.com, Spreaker, KTLK, The Fringe FM, Renegade Talk Radio out of Las Vegas, The High Plains Talk Radio Network, and if you're listening in on Revolution Radio, remember the Double R Machine is a donation station financed by you, the valued listener. Head on over to FreedomSlips.com and donate today. If you like our music, get your horn up for Mr. Ron Bumblefoot Thal, formerly of Guns N' Roses, currently of Art of Anarchy. Bumblefoot is the official sound of Spaced Out Radio. Now, if you're a social media junkie like I am, you got to do me a favor. you got to follow us on Twitter, at Spaced Out Radio. Give our Facebook page a like, Spaced Out Radio Show. Subscribe to our YouTube channel, Spaced Out Radio Show. You can also follow me on Instagram, Dave Scott, S-O-R. Tune us in on TuneIn. Download our shows from iTunes. We're also on RadioGuide.fm player.fm, talk stream live and stitcher of course our website is spacedoutradio.com and if you go to patreon.com for as low as a dollar a month you can become a patron of sor as well now if you want to take part in this show you got to do me a favor you have to sign into one of our chat rooms you got to go onto our website you got to go on Revolution Radio, on Spreaker, on the UPRN chat room, or maybe you're a valued member of the Facebook page, the SOR Space Travelers Club. Or if you're on Twitter, do me a favor. Use the hashtag Spaced Out Radio. I will get to your questions in there as well. Now, if you head to our website for just 5 bucks a month, you can become an SOR Space Traveler. And as of right now, go to our store, pick up a t-shirt, poster, some stickers. Don't forget our Paracon tickets. We're still in the midst of debating what we're going to do with that. I will get into that later on in the show. We also have the Encounter Online that deals with everything paranormal, courtesy of our editors Eric Markham and Everett Themer. You can check out my latest blog there as well about being an evacuee, and if you've had an experience you can't explain, do me a favor, fill out an SOR Sightlines report. Tim Doyle from UFO Seekers is also on the hunt for everything strange, and he has helped design our brand new look website. Tonight on Spaced Out Radio... We're going to hit a couple of topics. For the first hour, I'm going to be chatting with you about the forest fires here in British Columbia that sees us right now as we broadcast on evacuation alert. So I'm going to warn you that even though I don't expect it to happen, if the police arrive at my location and say it's time to go during any point of this broadcast, we are going to sign out and I am out of here. This is reality right now, space travelers. However, we are in a pretty safe place, and if that happens, we will have a couple of hours to make our way out of here. But I did want to warn you, just in case we need to bug out of here. Now, 
For those of you who have been through forest fires or some other tragedy, maybe hurricanes or anything of the sort, you know what I'm talking about. Rob Fry from CaribouRadio.com is going to join us here in hour number one. This man, okay, and he's probably going to shake his head when I say this, but this man has been a pillar of knowledge from a media standpoint regarding what is happening up here. Him and his wife, Bev, have their, their finger on the pulse of our town right now. And I'd love it if you could all do me a favor, Spaced Out Radio listeners. I want you to go on to Rob's Facebook page, Caribou Radio, and go on to his website, CaribouRadio.com. And I wanted you all to tell him what a great job that he has been doing because him and his wife, Bev, they have been working tirelessly now for about 10, 11 days, keeping the entire community informed. And we're going to get to Rob momentarily. In hours two and three, we are going to get back to what we love. We're talking UFOs, damn it. This, the third Monday of the month, means it's time for Tim Doyle from UFOseekers.com to come on in and get into every Everything up in the skies. Tim's been on some cool investigations recently, and we're going to delve into those for the second two hours of the show. But right now, I want you to intro- I want to introduce all of you to a good friend of mine in town here, Rob Fry from CaribouRadio.com. Rob, I want to say on behalf of every citizen in our area, from Clinton all the way up to Williams Lake, you and your wife, Bev, have been absolutely phenomenal and tirelessly working, and I really wanted to get you on tonight to show that appreciation that all of us have. I know you're not used to being on that side of the microphone, my friend, but I want to introduce you to the Space Out Radio crowd. It's very important to me in order to get your knowledge of what you've learned. Thank you so much for coming on the show on short notice. Oh, thanks, thanks a lot, Dave. And wow, wow, I, you know, I just I'm amazed just listening to your intros to your show and how many people can tune in from wherever. Absolutely amazing. So yeah, but uh, yeah, just to say that there's a you know we are doing our part. There's other media doing theirs, and it's just a time where information needs to get out as quickly as possible. So we're just doing uh, everything we possibly can to help out in in this. It's kind of a tragic time right now here in the Caribou. And we are hurting, my friend. We are hurting. There's a lot of tears. And, you know, in this hour, and you're only going to be with us for a few minutes here, but I'm going to get into it. I'm going to be really hard and suppressed to try and control my emotions here because this is my first live show since I had to sign off the air when I heard the 108-mile ranch area was about to be evacuated. It's been scary, Rob. It's been very scary. And, And from a media standpoint and a human standpoint, Point because you live in a town north of me called Lac Lahash, which is a beautiful, beautiful area and a beautiful lake. How has this been a toll on you and your family? Well, you know, we had to obviously our kids. We have kids at home, young, you know, young teen kids. So we had to get them out of here first in order to continue to do our job at whatever hours it took. That we had to be uh, on top of everything. That was a concern, of course to get them out of here. And then, you know, the rest of it is just, we feel we're just doing our job. I don't know. It's, it's been a blur. I don't know what else to say. It's just been uh, nine, 10, 11 days of just go, go, go and lay down, sleep for a few hours and just keep at it. 
And, uh, yeah, I just I don't know what else to say about that. Rob, it's been so, so emotional. How have you been able to take your own personal emotions, put them to the side for the sake of the community to get the news out, whether it's where people are being evacuated, whether it's the evacuation alerts, where people can find food, how they can get out of town. You've been, my friend, I will say this, and I'm going to pump up your ego a little bit here, but you have been absolutely stellar in keeping your composure. Well, you're going <laughs> to, yes, well, it's been tough. Actually, you know, I do have a little anxiety at times, and it, it is tough, and, you know, it does come out quite often. But i got to tell you, um, Bev is the backbone of everything that we do at Caribou Radio with my wife, and uh, without her, I couldn't do it. So, And, you know, all the people that are working in this, the you know, from people giving food out and helping others and just all the kindness that's going on, not just in the Caribou, but everywhere else, The uh, all the firefighters that are working local at once and the ones coming from all over the province, out of uh, from East, East Coast, actually, here, down out of Washington. Um, it's just amazing. Like, the whole thing is overwhelming, for sure. And, and, if, and if you're an evacuee uh, somewhere like in Kamloops, uh, out of the Caribou, out of Williams Lake or Hundred Mile area. Uh, I couldn't imagine right now what these all these people are going through. I just can't imagine that part. Have you cried? I know I have shed a number of tears over the last number of days, my friend. Have you had that that emotional breakdown just by yourself, maybe late at night, just to kind of, you know, release it? Well, I'm always on the edge of that. I think uh, my wife kind of makes up for both of us. <clears throat> you know, it's a very stressful time. So, yeah, anxiety levels are high all with everybody. It doesn't matter whether it's uh, myself or just anybody, uh, any citizen or even emergency people, RCMP, everybody is on the edge. I mean, there's so many people out of their homes. Um, you can, Your friends are away. They're stuck away. They're running low on money or have no money and you know you'd like to help everybody of course if you'd like to help the whole world if you can but um you know this you just gotta wait and wait it out and it'll it'll end i mean that's the the great thing we know that it will end eventually it will end so rob let's go back to thursday uh, i believe I don't even remember the dates, to be honest. Let's go back 10, 11 days here. How did this all start? Well, um, actually, I got a call from, I, you know, I haven't been in radio all my life. I've been a heavy equipment operator and a truck driver for 30 years. So I have a lot of truck drivers that uh, chime in on me all the time on highway conditions. And I just happened to get a text from a guy just up in town parking his super trains said, hey, there's a little smoke coming up between the mills, and that's really all it was. So I drove my truck up there and uh, drove out to, it actually ended up being in the old firing range that's an unmaintained firing range out on the 1100 road. So it's it's out past our landfill and our uh, refuge site about a kilometer. So I drove out there, and there was only one um, police, or a 100-mile fire chief was there, uh, Roger Hollander. And the fire wasn't really that big, but within 20 minutes, it was an inferno. It was amazing how quickly this fire grew from one hectare to this monstrosity that it, like within hours, it was, it was scary to see. And you saw it, I'm sure, yourself. 
And one of the things that uh, I saw, and I, I was kind of driving downtown with a friend of mine, and all of a sudden we kind of looked beyond the one of the mills in town, and really our our town is run by two forest mills mm-hmm. that you know really keep the economy going in our town. So you know we we saw the smoke. And I have to tell you, it was a little eerie. Like my friend said, is 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 that a forest fire back there? And I was like, oh, no, the mill is probably just burning something off. They usually do that. Well, the next thing you know, an hour later, you see the big smoke cloud. An hour after that, there were water bombers already here dropping ordnance. And the fire was growing absolutely immensely and moving towards the 105 area and the 108-mile ranch area where my house is. But I don't mm-hmm. think reality had hit any of us in this area at that time. Do you think that many of us in this area, especially people like me being, you know, lower mainland city people who have been transplants up here, do you think any of us were really prepared for this? I have no idea. I mean, um, it's, yeah, I guess, you know, myself, I've uh, worked as a, I've fought fire myself uh, here in the Bonaparte down in the south, south Caribou or uh, the Thompson Nicola there. But, yeah, most of the people that work in the caribou or lived in the caribou for many years are kind of used to this. And, I, you know, wildfires and stuff like that. And there's lots of equipment operators around, loggers and stuff. So, yeah, I think here we're used to it. And also, you know, being raised in the city and lived in the city for a while. No, of course not, because uh, many, a lot of it's just a sea of concrete or houses all the time. You don't rarely see anything like this, no. I don't think, uh, unless it's further out in the lower mainland, Fraser Valley area or somewhere. Now, my friend, we have a lot of American listeners here who may not understand what a hectare is. I believe a hectare is about two acres in a parcel I can explain that. Please do. So a uh, hectare is about a, a, it's approximately a football field. I think a lot of your American listeners might be able to uh, know what that is for sure, a lot of football fans. So uh, the fire that's burning here, uh, the it's called uh, the Gustafson Fire Wildfire, is 5,700 hectares. So that's 5,700 football fields, basically where it's at now. Now this one is a baby compared to the one that is actually the scary one right now, creeping up from south of us. And that's right. that one is over 40,000 hectares or 50,000 hectares. So you're looking at yeah. 50,000 football fields wide and stretched out that are that is bugging us. And that's the one that has us under an evacuation alert right now. now well, the, between that fire, because it's heading from the south of us towards the caribou areas, sort of in that direction, and then, of course, the one that the original Augustuson fire, the 101 Lake fire. But there's fires burning all around us here in the Caribou. The Chilcotin, is, uh, the, there's a huge fire out there. Three wildfires just merged together. And it's, uh, I heard one uh, wildfire fighter for years, he's been doing it his whole life, never saw anything like it before in his whole life. So, um not only in the Caribou Chicotin are these fires burning, but they're all over British Columbia right now. It's absolutely amazing. It's, it's hard to understand um, the size, I guess, of the Caribou, but if you took British Columbia and cut it into three slices, 
we're the middle slice and a lot of it is on fire. Right now, there are over 200 wildfires burning in British Columbia right now. Rob, you have got to talk to emergency crews, the Royal Canadian Mounted Police, the firefighters, politicians who are trying to direct everything, and uh, our local MLA, Donna Barnett, is doing an amazing job at trying to keep calm at 78 or 80 years old. You know, she's just a firecracker in everything, no pun intended. But how has the response from the emergency teams been in your opinion well first of all i don't know if donna's at 78 i think she's maybe 70 or 71 so we got to bring the age back there a little bit but yeah the response uh it's there's a lot of emotion as i said you know there's um you know we're dealing with rcmp too that aren't from here and they uh they don't take any crap they're not here to make friends at all. They're here to protect our properties and stuff like that. So uh, with uh, from looters. And, uh, yeah, so RCMP, um, you know, that is the huge presence here in the Caribou. Williams Lake, I believe, has 300-plus, uh, 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 like, RCMP from all over the province and Alberta as well there. Here in 100 Mile, if you can just see, I've never seen any these cars are, they're ghost cars, by the way. That might amuse you. But, uh, yeah, you're not, you're not seeing these cars ever. You would never know these were police cars, but uh, there's so many different vehicles around here, and they're cruising up and down. Um, and their emotions are, are high because um, if they see anybody walking, they could be off-duty um, cops, but they'll still question them and ask them for ID to make sure, and that's how, how tense it is right now. And firefighters are working uh, 12-hour shifts, and they're just, exhausted at the end of the day so i just you know of course that's their job they sign up for it and thank god they do and that's all i can say about that and you know we have a lot of volunteer firefighters in this community who have literally been working 24 hours a day seven days a week trying to get help and keep and maintain areas safe what can you say about the volunteer personnel from the firefighters to emergency services and everybody who has gotten involved to try and you know, make this happen. And not just them. There are a bunch of loggers and and logging truckers who are delivering equipment right to the front lines. There's a lot of people who've never yeah. been in this situation before. You bet. You know, local, uh, the 100 Mile Fire Rescue, I mean, I don't, I can't speak for all the other departments in the Caribou, but uh, they're all, I know they all are, I'm just talking about the ones I see, um, they're doing a fantastic job. The uh, search and rescue teams throughout the Caribou and coming in from out, outer areas as well. Like, it, I don't know. It's, it's just amazing to see um, many of these people, uh, people coming in uh, from, I think, Fort McMurray, where they just went through a hell of a fire just last year, I believe. I mean, I don't even know. I can't even think. It wasn't that long ago. And um, so it's amazing these people are amazing. They put their lives on the line for really nothing. You know, they make peanuts doing this. It's not, they're not in it for the money. They definitely are committed to their communities. And, you know, Rob, I want to keep you on until the bottom of the hour, if you don't mind, because I know uh, sure. you, you're very busy in what you're doing, and I know you're taking time out to help us out here, so I really appreciate it. In the end, we have to be very thankful. Out of the 15,000, 16,000-plus or 20,000-plus people who have been evacuated, much like yourself, much like myself from this area, there hasn't been a single death. 
What no. Does that, what What does that say about the response that they have given us to get us prepared to get out of here? Well, it's. I mean, obviously, it in the beginning when all these fires started, within one or two days, we had we went from one fire to a hundred fires basically in a few days. Um, yeah, I, I don't. I'm just kind of lost for words at the moment. I'm just trying to think of because uh, yeah, you've got my emotions going now, and it's it's difficult to think. I'm trying to. It hurts. Yeah, just I don't know. It hurts. Yeah, it's it's just amazing. I I don't know what else to say. I think uh, once all of this, um, I don't even remember the question anymore, Dave. But uh, obviously, I'm emotional right now myself, just from it all. I'll have to wait till it's all over before I have my breakdown. I think. How much of the fire is actually contained right now? Because I know in my area of 108 Mile Ranch, they're just holding it off. They've got a couple of fire lines burnt in, hoping that it's big enough that the the fires don't jump the fire lines. But in reality, how much are we looking at contained right now? Well, the Gustafson fire is 25% contained, and they're pushing the um, the brakes further into the fire now from what i understand i'm no expert but um, they're pushing all the fuel back into the fire and, and creating a, f- a fire break and uh, i believe that's what they're doing with that fire um most of the while well, the other fire south of us the ashcroft ashcroft uh, reserve wildfire the the one that's uh, 52,000 hectares is out of control it's they're they're not controlling that fire at all it's it's just raging on Mm-hmm. So uh, it's been it's been tough. How has your breathing been? Because the oxygen has been absolutely terrible. Mm-hmm. Well, <laughs> you know, I I only noticed it really bad the night that um, while we slept in the studio when Williams Lake evacuated uh, south through 100 Mile House, it was uh, almost so you could almost just barely make out the vehicles as they went by. And a lot of glare off the lights and stuff. It's very hard to breathe that night. So I, I think it would affect the healthiest person. It wouldn't. It doesn't matter. I mean, if you can't get out of that smoke, um, it, it would affect you. So anybody with uh, respiratory problems uh, would be immediately affected by this. Now, I have never been through anything like this, Robin. And, you know, that first couple of nights that you know we were watching the helicopters come in and they were flying in at the 100 mile airport and they were you know you could tell the crews around there were tired you could see the people at the grocery stores were tired seeing the buses at the hospital taking patients who maybe have cardiac problems or respiratory problems getting them out of here as soon as possible it's been so tough in trying to take it all in have you even tried to take everything in to feel comfortable with what you're doing or has it been just so busy that you really haven't had a time to scrape the old memory back to think wow i can't believe that happened yeah i mean it's it's hard to it's hard to fathom and i think if the people even in the front lines um especially the the volunteer people uh that are working all over the place you know and if they're right in the fires um, I would imagine it's, everybody's just overwhelmed at this point. 
So how do we... But, you know... uh, Go ahead, please. There is... I mean, they are making some headway on the fires, and uh, um, if the weather holds the way it is uh, right now, they're going to be able to get some sort of handle um, on, you know, these fires that are out of control. But... um, you know, a lot of this is going to depend on wind over the next few days and how hot it gets. We're expecting uh, temperatures to rise to 27, 28 degrees here again. So, I mean, yeah, it's, I mean, people want to come home, but I don't know. Anything could change overnight here. Just You just don't know. That's, I know. That's you, just what it is. You just don't know. Do you have an idea? I mean, there's so many rumors going around, and I want to just ask you a couple more questions before we go here. There's so many rumors around on when people can finally be put back in their house. I have come to the conclusion that I'm not going to see inside my house for at least, at least 10 days to two weeks minimum. And so I'm going to be a an evacuee, a refugee, whatever you want to call me for the next couple of weeks. Do you see that happening as well? Because there's people throwing around that, you know, 100 mile could be back uh, serviceable in town uh, within the next couple of days here. Yet there are still way too many hot spots, I think, to even be talking about this. Well, you know what? I First of all, I got to... Um shout out to the local governments, the emergency uh, social services, the um, emergency operations centers in the Caribou that were set up, but probably never thought they could uh, deal with this sort of, uh, um, I weren't expecting anything of this magnitude ever. And, you know, and the rest of the question, sorry, was. When, when do you think people can start going home? Okay. Well, I think you're pretty close on that. You know, like, honestly, people have to uh, come uh, or, like, they have to get the hospital going. They have to have a hospital running. They have to have uh, all the grocery stores, the businesses back up and ready to go to work. Um, You know, all the key facilities in these cities have to be running. Williams Lake, in this case, is actually really lucky, I think. Many of their businesses are still running there. And um, they haven't lost power that I know of or anything like that. 100 Mile has been without power. Um, out of the 108, the 105, as you know, the 103, might as well throw your freezer right into the garbage bin. Don't even open it. And so I can see it definitely by the time they get a hospital running, sterilized and ready for operation, uh, new groceries and fresh uh, greens and stuff into the grocery stores and meats and all that, uh, dairy it's going to be a while. So, yes, I think you're probably pretty close on your guesstimation there. One of the concerns that we have brought up with my listeners who have watched me post and go on Facebook Live with my updates on this was the looters that have been going around. And there's been about 15 or 20 of these jerks caught, including a gentleman up in Williams Lake who was just nailed and arrested today for over $65,000 in looted heavy equipment uh, caught in his yard. You know, what do you have to say about times like this where people are taking advantage of those who are just trying to get to safety? Well, (laughs) well, you know, I think it's the lowest of low as low as people could ever be is to uh, take away from people that are already right down on their knees, really. So 
Honestly, um, I think the charges for this sort of a crime should be pretty, pretty strong, pretty heavy. Um, and it's funny, you know, at the, these people are coming, these people are, whoever they are, driving around back roads and quads and, and breaking into properties and, you know, hiding out in the cities and rummaging through people's homes at night or whatever it is. It's just, it, it makes me sad to think that, that there's people out there like that, but of course we, in the reality of it all, it's even worse, I'm sure, um, elsewhere, other different things that people are, that will do. So I think uh, they need to have the book thrown at them. And so it's, it's not something you might want to think about doing ever. It needs to be a very serious crime. Well, I hope that these idiots, when they come to justice, that when their time is up, that they pretty much get run out of town because there's not going to be a lot of people having much sympathy for them. That's for sure. Rob, before we let you go, I would love it if you could tell our audience where they can find CaribouRadio.com, whether it's on, on the website, on social media, so that way they can follow you with the updates of what we're going through here. Well, uh, you know, we've been struggling with our Facebook name, but it is all one word, Caribou Radio now. That's our Facebook page. But we're Caribou Radio everywhere else uh, on social media. Uh, CaribouRadio.com online, so it's just easy to find. Everything's there online for you to link in and follow us as well. And we have free apps, Caribou Radio apps, uh, in the Play Store, the App Store, and we are on TuneIn Radio. We actually, we're the only caribou radio in the world, so we're not that difficult to find. Rob Fry, thank you so much for being on Spaced Out Radio. We'll talk to you very soon in the community, my friend. Thanks a lot, Dave, and uh, enjoy the Spaced Out Radio show out there tonight. I'll be listening. Rob Fry from Caribou Radio with me for the first half hour of the show. I want to say thank you to that. Rob has been, like I said, him and his wife Bev have been absolutely stellar in this community trying to get information to people when it comes to you know, getting the word out about the fires. And, you know, I got a lot of respect for Rob. He has literally been at every town hall meeting that has been going on. He and his wife, Bev, have been staging these events or helping stage these events so that way the public could hear from the RCMP, emergency services, and everything else. So I want to thank Rob once again for coming on. Once again, his website, caribouradio.com. Caribou is spelled C-A-R-I-B-O-O radio.com. So make sure you check them out. And on their Facebook page, do me a favor, Space Travelers. I want you to give their page a like. I want you to give Rob a big thanks from all of us because Rob's a big reason why on my Facebook Lives that I have been able to give you guys information. And if you've been following me on social media, Facebook and Twitter, I've been retweeting and uh, reposting a lot of everything that they have been posting. I mean, he has been very, very accurate with what is happening. So we have about 20 minutes before we got to take our first break of the night when I'm going to bring in Tim Doyle from UFOseekers.com. And I just want to talk about this, guys. I hope you don't mind. But I just want to talk about this fire because I got to tell you, I was nervous coming on to this show tonight. I know I do this every night. I realize I'm old hat at it. But you know, this has been probably one of the most scary times of my life. 
okay? Uh, my my wife Jolene went down to the Lower Mainland about a week before to go visit some family and friends that she hadn't seen in a while. So I was living at home all by myself, me and the dogs. And, you know, then all of a sudden Thursday, 11 days ago, 10 days ago, we noticed the smoke. And I believe that was July 5th. No, July 7th, 5th or 7th, pardon me. And um, it just kept burning. It kept burning, and, and it wouldn't stop. And, you know, when I got into radio in 1998... You know, I worked in a small town on Vancouver Island, and then in 2001, I went and started working in the big city of Vancouver. And six months after I worked in the big city in Vancouver, um, 9-11 happened. So immediately, you go into this whole professionalism mode, and I realized you guys are probably like, you know, journalism, professional, but you do. You got to get the story out. You have have to be accurate, okay? And so that's what I did. I did. I did my natural reaction, and that's when I posted on social media the water bombers landing in front of me on the lake, and I was able to get close to them, and I was able to to you know get some pretty good video of them flying, but the fire kept growing. And on Friday morning, when I went to my daytime office, of course, everybody is trying to discuss what what uh, was going on. And, you know, there was concerns. And there was a bunch of people in my office who live in my area. And then it came down that in about an hour, they were going to evacuate the 108-mile ranch area. I've never been through anything like this before. So I literally, literally got on the phone. I called my buddy Mikey up. And Mike, I know you're listening and you're in the Spreaker chat room right now. And I said, Mike, be prepared. I'm going to need a hand if we get evacuated. And he said, not a problem. And approximately 35 minutes later, I said, Mike... And so about 12.06 p.m. Friday afternoon, I, I said, Mike, I'm coming to get you. We got to go. And so we raced. To, I picked up Mike. We raced over to my house. And, you know, we started, uh, I unlocked it, let my dogs out. And I started, you know, just kind of thinking in my head, what do I do? What do I get? So I remember calling up Mrs. SOR saying, okay, where is everything? What do you need me to grab? And it was during that time that my friend Tony Pacheco, and he's been in the chat rooms every now and again. You've heard me mention him and on this show and on my, on my live feed. And I said to Tony, or I got this message from Tony, who's a volunteer firefighter in the 108-mile ranch area. And it was the scariest text message I have ever received. And I will never forget it. And it was three words. It's amazing how, many, how much three words 
can absolutely scare the living hell out of you. And those three words were, get out now. Think about that for a second. Get out now. Now, we deal with a lot of paranormal stuff, okay? That sounds like something we would hear on an EVP of some ghost or anything like that. But when you are in that situation and you read on a text message, get out now, it's scary. Whew. It's scary. I don't think I have ever had my heart sink into my lungs or into my stomach so quickly. Get out now. I'm actually going to get that framed. Maybe not that text message, but I'm going to get something for that. And I'm going to put it on my wall as a reminder of what could happen. I've been so scared. I have been so scared. So going back to that date, get out now. Mike and I start going through every room in my house. I start grabbing boxes, anything that says mementos, anything that says, you know, uh, highlights of, of anything... <sighs> pictures on the walls, family photos, passports, toiletries like toothbrush, toothpaste, shampoo, <sighs> cologne. You just start grabbing. I, I grabbed one teddy bear out of my son's room. That's all I grabbed. And it was this teddy bear we got from a few months before he was born. And it was, uh, sorry, it was a teddy bear that has his heartbeat in it. That's all I grabbed from his room. And I grabbed a stuffed elephant. And I went into you know, back downstairs because I needed some fresh air. And, you know, that's when, God bless them, my friends Corey and Lana showed up. And they just happened to be in town on their way up north to Prince George where they live. And they're like, what can we help you with? And and we, I just started throwing boxes into my truck, whatever we could grab. And I, would, and I couldn't get a hold of my daughter. My daughter who lives with her mom, I couldn't get a hold of her, and I'm texting her, and I'm like, honey, damn it, get a hold of me. You know, we are being evacuated right now. Get a hold of me. Is there anything in your room that you need? And then finally she picked up the phone, and she's like, dad, I'm scared. And I, um, you know, I, I kind of choked up, and I said, me too. You know, I said, me too. I, I'm scared. And, and we, you know, thankfully we didn't have anything to, um, 
to worry about. I walked into my stepdaughter's room. I grabbed all the pictures off her wall. I grabbed, you know, her computer. I couldn't find her stuffed animal. She's a typical teenager. Her room was a bloody mess. I couldn't find her stuffed animal. She has this rabbit that she's had since, since she was a baby. I couldn't find it. And I looked. And I feel guilty about that. I know I shouldn't, but I do. I grabbed all my guitars. Because that's the one thing. I grabbed my son's first pair of hockey skates and first pair of shoes. You know, I grabbed every photo album I could find. I, I grabbed, um, I grabbed uh, my wife's jewelry. I, uh, and in the meantime, Lana, Lana and Corey are going around my house taking pictures of everything. So that way I have copies of everything in case my house burns down. And, and I'm okay with that. You know, and I'm trying to stay focused and trying to figure out what to do and, and where am I going to go and how do I get there. And I got my dogs loaded up. I got the cat loaded up. I forgot the kitty litter, but I got the food. And, and I got the hell out. So in a, in a grand total from that text message, get out now, which came at about 12.17 p.m., on Friday, that Friday, to two o'clock that afternoon, I I packed as much as I could, and I forgot my clothes. So I am literally running on five t-shirts, two pairs of sh- uh, shorts, two pairs of socks. I did manage, because I forgot to pack underwear, I did manage to grab six pairs of boxer shorts. I got three golf shirts in case I get got to uh, uh, get back to work. But I have no dress clothes, and my office job is a... Uh, is I, I need to be a little bit dressed up. But... Um, I got out. Locked up everything. And I got out. I had to leave one of my vehicles there. But I'm not worried about that. Insurance would cover that. Now, from where I live in the 108, I live on the far east side of it, almost as east as you can get. The 108 has been highly protected, although two houses did burn down on the west side. Now, between where I am and those houses that burned down, those two houses that burned down, there is about... I'm going to say three, four miles. And the firefighters kind of built a wall there of fire trucks and and people working there and they are prepared and they've been doing an immaculate job. So my house still stands. But I am a three-time evacuee now or two-time evacuee, three-time on evacuation alert. So I went over to my buddy Mike's house and was broadcasting there or thinking about broadcasting there when 100 Mile House got evacuated. So I've gone from the 108 to 100 Mile House. And then we got evacuated there. And since then, we've been staying with friends, Wendy and Miles, who have been absolutely fantastic. They have been absolutely fantastic. I'm actually sitting in Miles' office right now and 
And I have, you know, they fed us, they have done laundry for us, they have, you know, uh, given us beds. I mean, Wendy has been so awesome that she even, she even uh, um, put little chocolates on our pillows, kind of like, like we were in a hotel room, you know, staying as guests. I didn't expect her to make my bed, I make my own bed, but... Came back and our beds were made with little chocolates on the pillows because she thought it would be cute. And it's been thoroughly amazing to have that experience. Um, we only got about, what do we got? About eight minutes before we're going to go for a break. Um, so I want to just go over a few things. I got a couple people I want to mention that are very important in my life right now my my neighbor and volunteer firefighter tony pacheco and he has been on the front lines of this with the fire department since the beginning and he is safe and tony i talked to him yesterday because his family passed me on the highway the other day and i thought it was him but it it wasn't it was his father-in-law driving his truck so I called him up. I'm like, where are you going? He's like, dude, I'm on the fire lines right now. I'm just taking a break. I'm like, oh, man, I feel so bad. He goes, I got a few minutes to talk. So we just talked. And his house and my house are literally right across the street from each other. And, you know, Tony has made me feel very, very safe. He's kept an eye on my property. Um, he has... He has, uh, you know, kept me updated with what's going on as best as he can. And he has, um, he has really, really helped me out through this entire thing for whether it's a short text message just to check in and I've been checking in on him or whether it was that conversation yesterday. He did point out one thing, okay? He did point out one thing that I want to share with you. He goes, Dave, you have a new neighbor. And I said, so what's that? So in behind my house, I have about 0.56 of an acre in property, about half, just over half an acre. And, um, and in behind my house is a green belt. And on the green belt, there's a community hall to my left. The high school, or pardon me, the elementary school is on the right. And in between, it's probably 300 yards between the two. And then my house is kind of in between. Well, they have, the fire hall is also right beside the elementary school. But they've been using the community hall behind my house because it's bigger for fire trucks and firefighters to convene and come up with their game plans. So while they're sitting out there at night, they said that I have got a new neighbor in my backyard, and that is a cougar. Yes, a mountain lion has moved into the trees behind my property, and she is, they believe it's a, it's a female because of the sounds she is making, and she is hanging out there, got away from the fire, and she now lives there. So I am hoping that uh, she will, once everything is said and done, that she will move on and they don't have to do anything with her to get her to go. But I'm hoping once people come in that she, that'll scare her off. But 
That's the reality. Apparently, I was talking to our MLA, Donna Barnett. She went driving through the 108 area. And she says the deer are having a great time running around the roads, being rambunctious. And there's deer everywhere in the 108. And, you know, literally, I live in a wildlife area. And so my house is okay. We're not out of danger just yet. We got to get through this heat. We got to get through this, um, any potential winds. But people like Tony are making it safe. And another good friend of mine, Carrie Mingo, she has been a rock for me as well. She is one of the people who helps me with my ghost tours. She's helping me put on the Paracon. And she has been working under a lady named Liz uh, with emergency services where they've been helping people evacuate, making sure people have food, making sure that people have uh, evacuated on time. And, you know, Liz and Carrie have been great. Liz Jones is her name. And they have been absolutely wonderful in helping this community with everything that it's been going through and making sure people are safe and making sure, um, you know, people are, are getting out of here. And we're not out of the woods just yet, no pun intended. We're not out of the woods just yet. Uh, like I said, I've been evacuated twice in the safe house where I am right now in a, a little town called Lone Butte. Uh, we are on evacuation alert because of the fire that is coming from the south of us. That big one that Rob Fry was talking about a few minutes ago when he was our guest for the first half hour of the show. So I want to thank all of you. Well, we only got a couple minutes before we got to go to break here. But I want to thank all of you, okay, all of you listening. Last week was very hard for me because I'm not used to taking time off this show. I believe this show should be live all the time. I don't like having recorded episodes, I, you know, and I don't play recorded episodes. I don't sit here and do a, an area uh, or do a show and then do it a few hours before showtime or days before to play it for you guys. My audience, being all of you, want live. So I want to thank all of you for allowing me to take last week off and and to be um, to be able to allow me to kind of get my headspace where it needed to be because I really needed it. And, you know, the way all of you were helping me out with the, you know, following and sharing and re and retweeting everything that I was doing, you know, to know that all of you care is one of the greatest gifts that anybody has ever given me. And, you know, I, whew, I'm choking up again. Thank you. Thank you for the love, the caring, the prayers, everything that you have sent to me, my family, 
to um, to the firefighters and emergency people. We felt it here. Okay, we have felt it here, and I don't know how I could repay you guys enough. There's so much more I want to say. Um, we're going to bring up Tim Doyle from UFOseekers.com in hours two and three. So we're going to bug on out of here right now for our first break of the night. When we come back, we're going to get into UFOs. We're going to get into aliens. We're going to get into the stuff that we love because this is, after all, Spaced Out Radio, and together we own the it. Hours number two and three coming up right after this. Coming September 29th to October 1st, the first annual Spaced Out Radio Caribou Paracon. Hi, this is Dave Scott. The event will be held at the Spruce Hill Spawn Resort in 108 Mile Ranch, British Columbia. Come join us for an amazing weekend of speakers talking all things paranormal, UFOs, ghosts, aliens, Sasquatch, intuitiveness. Listen to great speakers like Miriam Delicato, Samantha Mowat, and the crypto guru, Ronald Murphy. Get your VIP passes by going to spacedoutradio.com and clicking on the Paracon banner. Come to BC, where the paranormal is waiting for you. From coast to coast to coast, Blacklight Uncharted is taking on the paranormal across Canada. From ghostly hauntings to the UFOs flying above in conjunction with MUFON Canada, we're closely investigating what's going on in the northern skies and checking out the apparitions that walk among us. Check out our videos right here at spacedoutradio.com. We want to know your thoughts, we want to hear your experiences, and we want you to share your stories. The answers are out there, and we intend to find them. Would you like to become one of our space travelers? All you have to do is click on the space travelers icon at spacedoutradio.com. For only $5 a month, you can get access to some great prizes, as well as private monthly shows, newsletters, and a members-only section on our website. Become a space traveler today. It's paranormal news at its finest. Welcome to The Encounter. At spaceoutradio.com, The Encounter Online is SOR's trusted news source for everything weird and strange going on around the world. This is news editor Eric Markham. Our team of journalists are scouring the planet for those strange stories that rarely make the mainstream. No fear-mongering or fake news here. Head over to spaceoutradio.com and encounter The Encounter. Hey, this is Canadian Paranormal Investigator Mike Moore. The third Wednesday of every month, I'll be teaming up with Dave Scott to bring you Ghosts of the Great White North. Each month, we will bring on guests from across Canada to discuss their ghostly encounters. Canada is a paranormal hotbed with stories you've never heard, so we're going to bring them to you. So get comfy on your Chesterfield, grab a donut, and join us, eh? Have you had an experience you can't explain? Had a run-in with ghosts, maybe Bigfoot, or seen lights in the sky? Hi, I'm Mike Schmidt from the SOR Sight Lines. I'm here to investigate your sighting. Head to spacedoutradio.com and fill out a report on the sight lines. All your information is 100% confidential, and I will help you figure out what you've been seeing. File your report, and let's find out the answers together. Visit purpleplates.com today. 
For over 40 years, the Purple Energy Plates have been delivering amazing results for their many customers. Inspired by the great genius Nikola Tesla, the harmony, healing, and energetic effects of the plates have proven over and over to be beneficial and often miraculous to thousands of customers. With their money-back guarantee and the many benefits, how can you afford not to get one? Check their site for daily specials and choose from their many energy products. You won't be sorry. Visit them today at purpleplates.com for mind, body, and spirit and expect a miracle. Are you interested in advertising on Spaced Out Radio? Head to our website at spacedoutradio.com and click on our advertising tab. There, you will find an assortment of ways you can get your product out there with us from radio commercials to banners and social media. Have a product you like our hosts to endorse? We can do that too. Visit spacedoutradio.com for more details. Have you got your Cosmic Passport? If you need one, tune in to Cosmic Passport on Spaced Out Weekend. This is Elizabeth Anglin, ET experiencer, spirit medium, and host of Cosmic Passport. Each weekend, I'll be bringing you interviews and support from other paranormal experiencers and the best in intuitive spiritual guidance from across the globe. It's all happening starting at 9 p.m. Pacific Time, midnight Eastern, on spacedoutradio.com. From British Columbia to Northern California, Pacific North Weird has Cascadia covered. Check out our feature videos at spacedoutradio.com, where I, Vincent Zunza, and my super sleuth partner, Alexandra Sullivan, track down the weird and strange stories from around the Pacific Northwest. From Bigfoot to Mel's Hole and everything in between. This is what makes life exciting. So why report the normal when we can report the Pacific North Weird? Right here at spacedoutradio.com. Oh, there's only one way to rock. Loud and proud. In high definition. Radio 702 Rocks. Las Vegas. Every Saturday and Sunday night, as Dave Scott wanders aimlessly in the wilderness, you can come hang out with me, James Tyson, and Spaced Out Weekend. Starting at 9 p.m. Pacific, midnight Eastern, I'll take you along as we talk with some of the best experts in their fields. SpacedOutRadio.com is the place to find us. So sit down, relax, put your feet up. Enjoy the topics like the paranormal, supernatural, intuitiveness, and so much more. Hope to see you there. Don't have time to listen to Spaced Out Radio Live? Wherever you are, the car, the office, the shower, or even if you're traveling, we're right here for you. Each Spaced Out Radio show can be found on iTunes, TuneIn, and on our YouTube channel, Spaced Out Radio Show. It's the perfect way for you to catch up on our shows. For more information, just head over to our website, spacedoutradio.com, and tune in to us today. Views and opinions expressed by tonight's guest and topic of discussion do not necessarily represent the official policy or position of Spaced Out Radio. Spaced Out Weekend, Spaced Out Radio Limited, its hosts, syndicated carriers, or anyone associated with this broadcast. Would you like to connect with us? Head to spacedoutradio.com for all your latest show info. And hit us up on Twitter using the hashtag SpacedOutRadio. Now, back to Dave Scott and S.O.R. 
Welcome back to the second hour of Space Out Radio tonight. I am your host, Dave Scott. Good to have you along for the ride. Tomorrow night on the show, we're talking all things paranormal. John Kachuba is going to join us. He's a paranormal author. It's going to be a lot of fun indeed. We get going at 9 p.m. Pacific, midnight Eastern time, praying that there is no evacuations as we are continuing to be under evacuation alert here in my area of the Caribou region of British Columbia due to wildfires. But we're going to try and do everything live, everything as per usual as we continue on this week. want to welcome in everyone listening in on WQEE 99, Rock the Key down in Noonan, Georgia, home of the Walking Dead. We are also live on the United Public Radio Network, 107.7 FM in New Orleans and over 160 countries around the world. Great to have you with us as well. We're also live on KTLK, The Fringe FM, Renegade Talk Radio out of Las Vegas. And if you're listening in on Revolution Radio, remember the Double R Machine is a donation station financed by you, the valued listener. Head on over to freedomslips.com and donate today. Bill Cardwell has set the password for tonight in the SOR Space Travelers Club. Kefalomancy. Kefalomancy. That doesn't sound right. Kefalonomancy. Kefalonomancy. Let's go with that one. Bill sets a password each and every night right here on the Mighty SOR, and we thank Bill for doing it. And you know what? It's been a while. I hope I get a big mention for that one. Now, if you want to follow us on social media, you could do so on Twitter, at Spaced Out Radio. Use the hashtag Spaced Out Radio if you want to connect with us live during the show as well. Give our Facebook page a like, Spaced Out Radio Show. You can also find me on Instagram, Dave Scott, S-O-R. Tune us in on TuneIn. Download this show and others on iTunes. We're also now on iHeartRadio in the United States. We're also on Player.fm, RadioGuide.fm, TalkStream Live, and Stitcher. Our website is SpacedOutRadio.com, where we have a plethora of features for you, including everything from UFOSeekers.com, the Encounter Online, our news section put together by Everett Themer and Eric Markham. My blog is on there as well. You can go to our Spaced Out Radio store, sign up for our forum, and so much more. Check it out at SpacedOutRadio.com today. Joining me for hours two and three, we're going to get right back into the normal here after a pretty emotional and wild first hour, and I will be talking about the forest fires throughout the week. I hope you don't mind and hope you don't get too sick of it. But from UFOseekers.com, Tim Doyle, how you been doing, my friend? I've been doing great, Dave, and great to be uh, back on the radio. Oh, you have no idea how nice it is to be back on the radio. It really, really, man. It has been. Yeah. It has been. We miss your voice out here in Southern California. Well, trust me, I miss being on the air. And, you know, I mean, it only seems like a week. You know, I know a week doesn't seem that long, but it seemed, honestly, man, to take forever. It really did seem to just take forever. And, and I, I'm glad to be back because it just, you know. I'm I'm still Yeah, we can't even imagine like what you're struggling with. So we're just we're really glad you're safe and you know, glad you're home safe cuz I did see that there was uh, some home losses up there. So There have been. Pretty scary. You know what? There has been uh, uh as far as I know, there's been about 50 uh about 50 uh houses that have been destroyed two in my area. 
And, you know, there's also been a lot of animals that have died. Uh, cattle are hard to rustle, especially around here. We have a lot of free-range cattle. And, wow. and there was a lot of cattle killed. And I even heard, really sadly, we have packs of wild horses in our area. And one pack of wild horses was, uh, was killed as well. And wow. that, that's sad because uh, apparently uh, the good news is they died of, of a lack of oxygen first. So hopefully they went quick before the fire actually got them. But, you know, the, this is the reality of what we are going through up here right now. And it's scary, man. Like uh, just two miles away right now, there is a police roadblock making sure that only evacuees who are in this area or people on evacuation alert are getting into this area. The police are clamping down on absolutely everything. And yes, it's a pain in the ass, but you know what? I would sooner, I would sooner have them there than not. You know what I'm saying? Right, right. But they are there, they are there and they are, are taking care of us. And I do have to tell a little funny story here. So yesterday I was driving into the little community of Lone Butte. Now Lone Butte is is you know it's literally a gas station, a post office, a couple of small mom and pop type restaurants, one pub and a community hall. That's it. Okay? And I had to drive through in order to get to the community hall where they have set up a, a food bank and an emergency section. They were having a town hall meeting to give everybody who wanted to attend an update on what was going on with the fires. So I drive through this roadblock and the most beautiful RCMP officer walked up to my vehicle. She had her long red hair up in a ponytail and she comes up and she goes, hi, how you do? And I couldn't even let her finish. I, I just looked at her. I opened my window. I said, my God, are you beautiful? Where did you come from? And she gives me that little cute little laugh. And I said, and your teeth are perfect too. I said, what are you doing here? You're not supposed to be in the caribou for this, you know, but I, I, I got to admit, I, I was flirting. I was, I was flirting, you know, but, uh, you know, to, to come all the way out here and run into a, an absolutely drop dead, gorgeous cop, man, that just doesn't happen in my area. Usually we get big burly men. So, <laughs> so it was, uh, it was, it was kind of fun to, uh, to watch that. And, you know, she's like, Oh, just go, just go. So I got through the roadblock. Okay. You know, but it was uh, it was definitely an interesting time, indeed to to go through. But I mean, they've got us locked down here pretty good, and we're lucky because uh, since we're in an evacuation alert, we can travel through. But the reason why there's so many police officers around here right now is because they don't want they want to try and control the looting. They want to try and control people from going in and out and if you evacuate they have to make sure that everybody does it in a common uh calm and safe fashion so it's uh you know i don't mind it i really don't mind it so that's what uh, i've been up to is dodging police right about now 
sounds like uh, one of my days. That's a normal day for us. Absolutely. <laughs> however, however, if RCMP Redhead comes along again, don't tell Mrs. Spaced Out Radio, but if RCMP Redhead comes along again with the great teeth, I, 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 I am going to be a little bit giddy. I'm not going to lie. I will be a little bit giddy. I had a little bit of a crush. I'm not going to lie. I had a little bit of a crush. <laughs> you know? So, yeah. but that's what's going on. You know, and, you know, I'm very thankful I'm safe and that my family is safe, even though they are about 400 kilometers away. Uh, I'm very thankful that my pets are safe. My dog, uh, Doug, is laying down right beside me. If you watched any of our, our Facebook Lives, you saw Doug. And uh, Jennifer Frizzy, I hope you and your family are doing great. I see you in the Spreaker chat room right now. Jennifer is local here as well. And uh, I believe her husband is helping out with the emergency around here with the firefighter. So bless you to your family and your husband, Jennifer, for uh, being safe and helping keep us safe as well. So thank you so much. P- please pass the love from all of us here in Space Out Radio Land. And uh, we would appreciate that, Jennifer, if you could do that. So let's get to some more important stuff here rather than these small old uh, forest fires, you know, that are going on. Cause to be honest with you, I'm kind of sick of smelling and talking campfire. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> oh, but you know what? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we have a, a, a great, Go we ahead. have a, a great story that came in. Great. I, I want to hear it, but I want to mention one thing before we get into that. Okay. And this is something I forgot. I wanted to mention this in the first hour. I hope in my lifetime I never see it snow, fire ash, again in my life. I've never seen fire ash fall from the sky. And no, it wasn't burning, but the ash from trees and everything that is burned was literally falling like snowflakes for literally two days. I hope I never see that again. Wow. It's like being next to a volcano. Yeah. Yeah, it was uh, it was pretty trippy. Anyways, let's get to some UFOs. Let's get to some aliens, some cover-ups, because I need my fix, man. I need my fix, Tim, from UFOseekers.com and the man behind the New Look Spaced Out Radio website. Uh, I appreciate that. Yeah, no problem. Yeah, we had a, uh, a male individual contact UFO Seekers by phone. And he told me an amazing story from when he was uh, young, like a young youth in his youth, um, I believe about 10 to 12 years old. Uh, the year was 1996. And so this, uh, this male kid was with his family, and it just happened to be Halloween. And so they live in San Francisco, and they drove out of San Francisco area uh, and enjoyed a Halloween party for the night. And then a family of four, so it was a, a dad, a mom, um, the, the male kid, and then his sister. And so they enjoy their little family party uh, with some other families, like a Halloween party, do their trick-or-treating, and then they're making their way back home. And the witness ex- um, explicitly remembers that it was just after midnight. And so they're driving on a highway, which is kind of in the middle of nowhere, you know, once you kind of get out of San Francisco, there's there's kind of some places where for a little bit you're in the middle of nowhere. Uh, 
Um, and so the clock had just struck midnight and the mother is driving. So the father, I don't know, the father must have had some drinks. You know, I didn't say that to the witness when he called in, but Hey, dad must have had some drinks cause mom was driving. Uh, <laughs> and so the mom all of a sudden out of nowhere slams the brakes on and says, what's that up in the air? You know, it's completely dark outside. They're driving on a freeway. There's no other cars out They're in the middle of nowhere. And the mother just slams the brakes on and she points, you know, up into the sky out the windshield and says, what's that? And so everyone rolls their windows down and notices a, a immense light that engulfs the entire vehicle. And so they all pop their heads out and look up and they notice that there's a huge uh, multi-hundred foot long triangle hovering above their Suburban. So, and this is like an old school, like Chevy Suburban. Every, everyone knows those Suburbans. They were popular back then and people still drive them. Um, and so they're all tripping out and, and it's actually like emanating a beam from the middle. So it has a white light on each corner of the triangle and it's a, the standard black triangle report you'd hear of. And with like an immense white beaming light coming out of the center, which was coming down like a beam around the car. And so the witness says that the next thing he remembers is the entire family is now standing outside the vehicle in the front. And he even said to me, it was like they were taking a picture outside of the car because they're all standing like shoulder to shoulder um, out in front of the car to the driver's side facing, you know, the opposite side of the road, the opposing traffic, but there's no traffic. And they look up and the triangle's still there and then it shoots off instantly, like instantaneously shoots off in a fast boom um, speed. And he remembers that when they looked out the window, they felt like what he he tries to explain is the propulsion from the vehicle. And he tries to explain it as some kind of like magnetism, anti-gravity, electromagnetism, or some kind of magnetic field that was coming from the propulsion of the craft that made all of them sick. And so the witness says that, you know, they, they all woke up, they're standing on the street, boom, the craft flies away. They're all looking at each other. Can't believe what just happened. They get in the car and they're all freaking out. The, the sisters freaking out, just repeating like the same sentence over and over. I can't believe that happened. I can't believe that happened. And then all of a sudden, the, the, the little boy and the little girl start to get sick. And so this propulsion system and what he felt when they looked out the window and were under the craft was strong enough and caused enough I don't know if you want to say damage or trauma to their systems that they actually ended up like vomiting in the car and even being sick after making the, the over an hour long journey to the home, they were still sick that night. And this witness says that it changed their life and they actually spend some hobby time still kind of trying to search for things. And of course, after having an experience like that, you're a hundred percent believer. So that was an incredible story we got in. When you get a report like that, Tim, and you hear talk about stories like this, how do you know whether or not someone is telling you the truth or someone is just giving you some information because you are they are looking for some sort of 15 minutes of fame about an experience that may not be 100% valid? Well, it's... 
after listening to so many stories, I, I guess just like with anything in life, you know, the more the, the, the more you do it, the more you practice, the better you get at it. Um, and of course, in what I do, it's about receiving reports from people. So I think there's, um, you know, just like a police investigator, as you're listening to people and you have their intentions, then you can really pick out what's going on. And a good example would be, um, I got contacted this week by a female who claims to have multiple UFO sightings uh, from a city located in Orange County in the middle of everything. I mean, there isn't an open space anywhere to be seen around here and has her own YouTube channel dedicated to these videos, is actually trying to make it into like a UFO channel, um, <clears throat> has just the most incredible stories. And remember, I, I'm doing this, you know, every day. So every day we're going out uh, sky watching, we're visiting places, we're visiting paranormal places, places where famous UFO sightings have happened, uh, places where there's right now reoccurring reports of sightings, and we're also visiting military bases. So there's a much better chance of seeing activity or seeing an experimental craft, which is just a normal project, or even seeing like the different light arrangements that are on a craft. Um, and so you start to learn, like, hey, if it's in this certain area, like, more than likely you're not going to have these reoccurring sightings because there'd just be lots of people seeing them. And then the next step beyond that is getting into the videos of, of what I was looking at. And and uh, this female is, has every video is really zoomed in. Um, she's working in, like, a video editing program and kind of doing tricky things that, that don't let you understand um, and also, she had already done submissions to Third Phase of Moon, which is a very popular YouTube channel um, in, like, conspiracies. And so I know this person <laughs> uh, knows, like, a, a little too much for what, how much time is invested in, in what they're doing, you know. And so, the, I mean, a, a legitimate sighting, Dave, happens in seconds. And, I, you know, from my experience, I can go out every single day and for two weeks, three weeks, four weeks, Dave, I don't see stuff. I mean, that's not, there isn't like a UFO in the sky every single night, you know, and if the UFO is real, I don't think the aliens, if there are aliens are just hanging out everywhere all the time. It's very random and very rare and it happens really fast. And so that's, you know, those are the true experiencers. I believe from my experience they they have kind of this one random incident that happens to them or, you know, that that one abduction story. You know, I don't believe it's something where you can just point like a laser in the sky and a UFO comes down. It, I mean, we, we've done stuff like that. It, just, it doesn't necessarily happen like that. So I think that, you know, by listening to these stories, you can kind of pick out where people are embellishing or not, not quite telling you the whole truth. And then also, more importantly, is looking at their intentions, you know. So when I got that call from the male and the black triangle, um, there's, there's nothing. I mean, this person doesn't send me videos. They don't send me pictures. It's just this crazy story. They get emotional when they're telling it. They say they've never told anybody. They haven't told anybody. And so there's kind of more legitimacy to it, and they're not looking for me to do anything with it. So they're not looking to like be in a video, um, which was different than the female who contacted me. Oh, hey, can you put one of these in your videos? And that's not necessarily, you know, that's not what the, the normal experiencer 
um, is dealing with. Because when you see a, a true UFO or you've seen an alien, it changes your life. And you're, you're in this constant everyday struggling to just participate in normal society because no different than like being attacked by a ghost. And now you have proof that there's a, another side. The same thing is true, I, I, I believe, in aliens and UFOs. When you've seen something legitimate or experienced something legitimate, it legitimately changes your life. It changes the way you think about religion um, and government and politics and so many other things, you know. And so it's it's very dramatic when you hear a story from from a person like that. <clears throat> There's always that emotion that you have to go through with a person, and that's what I've heard from a lot of people, Tim, who talk with experiencers. And maybe you know, it's not always that lower end of the common denominator or of society that is having these types of sightings. You know, we always think it's it's the hillbilly from wherever who ha- is missing his front teeth and hasn't had a shower in days. That's the picture we get of people who, who come up with these stories. You know what I'm saying? The mainstream, that's their idea, okay? They're not understanding the doctors, the lawyers, the police officers, the firefighters, the, you know... Or even better... I had a, a gentleman approach me not too long ago who experienced sightings while working in the Navy on a Coast Guard boat in the Bering Sea and also worked in intelligence. So you have someone who's privy to projects. You have someone who understands military projects and experiments understands he could be seeing these things it's more than likely sober i mean if you're out on a coast guard cutter and then telling me like hey you're not crazy i've seen things keep searching you know and so yeah you're completely right there are completely normal people and that's i mean you 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 can't just say it's this type of person it spans every every demographic from old people you know i have um, a neighbor who approached me and told me a story, and this person is is of an older age, um, is retired. And so literally, (laughs) I mean, we have like that kind of relationship where, hey, can I borrow a sprinkler head? (laughs) So it's not really, you know, we talk about aliens and UFOs, although I have a car parked outside, UFO seekers. (laughs) But, uh, you know, and then a person like that brings up just a random story, one time, seeing something you know, and that's what you're looking for. That's what I consider gold um, because it's almost like it's it can be more truthful than someone who is just so deep into it. And if you even want to go farther, say, is into the industry, you know. So I'm definitely more apt to, like, enjoy taking in stories and learning from just random people. And that's, I think, why you don't see us so much at, like, conferences and stuff like that because literally when, like, conferences are happening, we're out in the field searching for stuff for the conferences to talk about. So. You live and you patrol near a lot of bases for the United States military. And so Trip is asking here, do you think a lot of what you're seeing is truly something that we have here rather than something ufological? Yes, and... That's why we didn't name it Alien Seekers or, um, 
you know, and I know this name has been taken. That's why we wouldn't even call it UFO hunters. We were definitely more in uh, trying to approach this from a societal point of view. And society does not believe that aliens exist. When you go and look in a science book and you're taught in a school, you know, which is reputable by a government and stuff, you're not learning about UFOs and aliens. So we tried to take like a societal point of view and that skeptics point of view to assume that, that we're just trying to find out what's going on. And so, yes, we do believe that the majority of what people see are military projects and secret military projects. And I would even put the scale of that at somewhere between 90 to 95% are secret military projects. But when we say that, I think for a lot of people, because the UFO phenomenon and the alien phenomenon is so overdramatic because of Hollywood and the way things should look and what should happen and it's World War Four. I think that's where people lose the explosiveness of these military projects they would be seeing. And that's can be seen in our anti-gravity X YouTube video is what we captured was like a disposable surveillance drone that the military could fly over an enemy, drop this uh, balloon type object that's shaped like an X, but it doesn't have any rotors or anything like that. And it's simply equipped with the camera, but it's using static electricity as a propulsion to move through the air. And so that kind of technology is, is extremely interesting and probably could change certain things in the private sector. So I think people need, need to remember that, you know, these things could change the private, fact, the private sector so dramatically. That's what's also important about what we want to learn. Because if some of these things that people are reporting, like an object moving at a thousand miles an hour and then instantaneously changing direction at 90 degrees and, and going a different direction, and that's a military project, I mean, that would be an incredible technology to release to the private sector. And, and we're people who believe that humankind should be interplanetary. I mean, uh, me and Tracy completely agree with Elon Musk that it's about time for humans to start moving on beyond the Earth. I mean, humans are explorers, and that's what we're supposed to be doing. And I think that's why a lot of people kind of get, you know, de depressed in, in just normal life, or it just it doesn't quite quench the thirst of the human spirit. And the human spirit and the the American spirit um, in particular is about exploration. That's it's like ingrained in our DNA, you know, that's, that's what makes us happy, you know, going out hiking, going out and experiencing nature. And we feel the same way about space. You know, there's, there's not much like Christopher Columbus's out there or anything like that. Um, so if someone asks me like, Hey, are these things aliens? Even if they're not, the technology is so dramatic that it could put us somewhere on Mars. Like we should be on Mars already. So I don't think that people should like underrate the value of any of these things people are seeing, if it's explainable as a military project, because we're constantly told by people who work on these projects that if we all knew what was really going on, it would blow our minds. I mean, from even if you're looking at like the F-35, supposedly it has the ability to have um, like a fleet of drones that fly behind it. So you have like the stealth drone uh, which is shaped like a wing, you know, it's just a mini stealth fighter or the stealth bomber. 
and that F-35 can fly with two of these behind it, you know, so you have autonomous uh, military craft flying behind the man craft, and that would be incredible. I mean, imagine seeing that in the sky at night, and imagine if it's like the, um, <clears throat> if it's like the Northrop Grumman X, what is it, the X-47A, which is shaped like a diamond. I mean, imagine seeing at night an F-35, which is blacked out, not ha- doesn't have any lights, um, and granted, this is the kind of experiences me and Tracy have out on military bases. We're sitting there, nothing's going on, and all of a sudden stuff's flying over blacked out because they're over the military ranges. So they don't need their lights anymore. So the experience can be more dramatic. And imagine imagine that for an individual living out in like the Mojave Desert. Um, for instance, I got a story from a guy who was driving out in the desert, broke down, and then all of a sudden uh, blacked out craft flies over him that he can see through. So like the body was transparent. So imagine seeing that F-35 with two diamond shaped drones behind it, which can make radical movements and imagine a couple lights coming on (laughs) and seeing those movements, it would look pretty crazy. So, you know, there always is some sort of debate whether or not some of these strange looking craft are actually ours or whether they are ufological. Do you think we are should take Ben Rich's comment seriously when he was the president of Lockheed Skunk Works basically saying, you know what, we are years advanced to what the public actually says. You know, um, do you think that, yeah. you know, with what you were saying, you know, it kind of makes sense to what Ben Rich is saying, because here you're someone out in the field researching what is flying in the skies, and you're seeing objects that shouldn't be flying, yet they are. You know what I'm saying? And yet you have to conduct yourself as someone who is trying to figure out, is it human or is it alien? That's got to be difficult right. at times. Right, it is, but he's he's completely right and was telling the truth, and that was probably bad of him to do. He shouldn't have said that. Um, you know, the investors probably weren't too happy, or the people behind the government probably weren't too happy about that. Uh, but that's the true reality of what's going on. I mean, with the huge budgets that the United States has that are dedicated towards military, uh, granted, you won't find any Americans who really complain about that, uh, because we do feel more comfortable with the United States being in control of what's going on around the world than any anyone else. So, you know, we're not opposed to that. But there is some kind of lines to when, what is this taxpayer money, you know, being used for when these these budgets are so big? You know, and when is the fine line when we got to start looking past World War III because more than likely World War III would never happen. And when we have things like auto-targeting intercept missiles and satellites with intercept missiles and laser beams that could shoot down missiles, could someone really cause a nuclear holocaust? And I don't really think so. You know, I think it's kind of moved beyond that. And I think there's kind of this disinformation campaign out there to keep everyone concentrated on these little ground wars and these little things going on around the world which in the big picture aren't really relevant because the militaries have all moved on to space. I mean, the FAA here in the United States already regulates space, and that's one of their main priorities, you know. So I, I think it's really important, you know, for people to to not discount if these things are military projects, still stay interested and understand. I mean, the autonomous drones I was just talking about 
why can't a commercial jet fly and then two autonomous commercial jets fly behind it? Like, there's so many applications for these things in the private sector. It would just change the way we live. And where do you draw that line between we're keeping it national security because there's going to be a World War Four uh, to when we start dedicating more of this money to technology that's dedicated for space and creating space bases and, and more satellites or more space stations. Um, that's what we would feel more comfortable with. You know, we wish that there was more spending in NASA, um, but we are glad to see like the Trump administ administration making more progress after the last administration, you know, because I think a lot of us were very disheartened to see Russia sending American astronauts into space. And we're really glad that we're, we're starting to push more for like going to Mars and, and establishing the, the Western world out in space. So when you look at the experiences, and let's bring this back to the experiences that people are reporting to you, when you look at the experiences that people report, is there any sort of pattern that you were noticing with the reports you were getting from everyday people? Are you just talking about like a geographic patterns? Are Ge you talking about geographic? Maybe what they're seeing in the skies. Like are are people say in Southern California seeing different craft compared to Northern California? How does this work? No, and not not from my experience. It seems like you could almost lay out a hundred a hundred different sightings, and every single time it would kind of lay into one of those. Um, and so a lot of the times that makes you start questioning, well, hey, is this a military project because of the repetitiveness? You know, I think what could be more interesting is something like the Travis Walton experience from the Fire in the Sky movie where you have this craft shooting that beam down, moving the, the human body up in the air, which kind of sets it apart from other ones. And those are very extremely rare. I mean, extremely rare. They're, the typical thing is, you know, hey, I was out somewhere, no one has a camera, we all of a sudden look up, we see this thing, boom, it disappears. So maybe like the only, <laughs> you know, reoccurring pattern is the fact it only lasts for seconds, and no one ever has a camera. <laughs> But that is rarely the case because no one is out there really researching these experiences. And when you have those experiences, I know personally, the last thing you think of when you see something that is out of the ordinary is to grab a camera. Yeah. That's the last that thing you it, think of. Doesn't that make it feel more legitimate? Because, I mean, you're, like you said, you're not someone who's out in the field all the time who had been doing this. And then all of a sudden you see something. And, yes, it, like, is changing your perspective in the matter of seconds and so it gets really difficult to turn and grab a camera in fact we got a report in this week from a female who actually lived in an apartment complex so this is very strange and she goes outside at night for uh, to look at the sunset and the sun sets and it gets dark and she turns to her left and above like the neighbor's apartment maybe 30 feet up above that, she sees some type of, I mean, the only thing I can kind of reference it as is like a, a mini blimp. But this blimp is not moving like any type of blimp. It can move fast and stop. 
it didn't shake, you know, or, or flicker like in our anti-gravity video and it's a balloon. So you can see, you know, like the surveillance balloon kind of shimmy in the air uh, from the wind. And what was really unique is that this, I believe she said it was like four by six feet was that she could see like a crescent moon on it. And so she looks up and she sees this object. So it's only been seconds and up above her neighbor's house is this four to six foot uh, black object, but there's like a crescent moon shape, which is kind of lighted. But if you look at the light, you can see into the craft and semi-see out the backside. Um, and so all of a sudden, the craft starts moving away. And she, that's when she decided, oh, my God, I should go grab a camera <laughs> and then ran outside. And by the time she got back, this thing was gone. And she swears it wasn't any kind of drone, any kind of anything. Um, and so this lady decides that she's going to call the sheriff like a couple days later because she was like, she was wickedly freaked out. Um, she lives like in a city that has, uh, you know, technology and manufacturers and great jobs and it's big. So this city wouldn't be, you know, it's not that person you were talking about the stereotype who would see a UFO sighting, right? This lady is a normal person. Um, and she's so freaked out by seeing this object and no one else seeing this object. Um, and mostly because she said, if you looked at it from the other side, she doesn't think you could see anything because of the blackness and only that crescent moon piece you could see through. But so three days later, she decides to call the sheriff's department. And so she like digs up the guts. She said she blocked her phone number and she calls the sheriff's department and says, Hey, this is what I saw. It was floating over our apartments. <laughs> Can you please tell me what it was? Did anybody else report anything? And so the, sh the dispatcher said, you know, no, nothing. Let me give you a phone number. And so the dispatcher gives her a phone number and says uh, to call this, this government number. And it's actually going to call like a government agency. And so the lady calls and she says it was a, a man who answered, and the man says, you've reached um, the air defense. You've re reached air defense. And he was very serious and never joked, like never had any satire, and was completely interested to hear her story. And I believe this was the air defense for the, the military. And so he completely listened to her story, the details of the craft what it did, what it looked like. And, and I'm telling you, Dave, this lady said that never once you're crazy. The guy never said you're crazy or you didn't see nothing or wow, you know, don't you think it was a drone? He never said anything like that. He literally took her story serious and took notes of it, asked her questions and then asked for her phone number. And she's like, well, we'll give my phone number or anything like that. And so she gets off the phone and all of a sudden her phone rings and it's the, the local police department calling her phone and she didn't answer or anything. You know, she just pushes the phone off and remember she blocked her number when she called the police department. So was it the police department working for the government to track back her phone number? So it was a very weird, very weird story. And I can't believe that someone actually listened to her and I have no idea how she reached those people and I'm not really going to call the sheriff's department. <laughs> uh.
I called my old newsroom on a UFO sighting that I had a few years ago. My buddy John happened to answer the phone, and I worked with John when I was there. And the first question that gets asked up here usually is, what are you smoking? You know, but that's media. Right. You know, so right. it, it is kind of weird to hear that reaction, that that's what she received after calling the police on something along those lines. Yet for many, when they do call the police or they do call a media outlet, they get treated as a joke. Myself included on right. that. So, do you right. think... And this you, lady even swears that they sent a police helicopter. So she swears after she got on the phone or off the phone three hours later, there was a police helicopter circling her neighborhood. Really? Yeah. Over a report. Correct. So she thinks that the, the air defense sent the police so that you wouldn't know that the military was interested in at least just scoping the area because she was convinced that this government official who listened to her report would take it dead serious and sounded like they would want to go look at the area. Um, and I would, you know, express to people out there too. I mean, remember when you see some type of unidentified object, the main reason that the government has written manuals for identifying these objects was to make sure there wasn't an enemy craft over the homeland. And so that's, I think, besides being like an extraterrestrial UFO, you have that factor and these things are all playing at the same time, you know, so they're going to want to send someone out there just to have a look and uh, no, there's no enemy, <laughs> no UFO either. So, Well, that would mean that the phone lines are tied to one universal switchboard would it not yes but you when know i think unfortunately when the patriot act got signed here in the united states we really don't have freedoms anymore when it comes to our electronic devices so every phone call here in the u.s is is monitored and tracked from the service providers and the same goes with the internet back at the isps so when you're on your computer or on your cell phone, wherever the signal is going to the home port, um, like the cell phone tower um, or like the box outside, if it's your Internet, you know, the, the fiber optic box at the end of the street, all of these things have hardware chips. And then also at the um, actual service provider at their headquarters, they're mandated to give the NSA and the government um, background and backdoor connections to everything. So I would express to every American you know, I have tape on my webcams on all of our computers, and I use a non-contract phone, so I don't have a contract with my phone. It's just a burner phone you call when you buy the SIM card at the store, um, which makes it very much more difficult for the government to track you. And then also it's good to use, like, prepaid debit cards and stuff like that because I'm telling you, Dave, here in the United States, there's no more freedom when it comes to your data or anything that's sent over like email or in your bank accounts. Um, all of this stuff is just data-based, you know, and the same thing goes for Google and Facebook. So I think everyone out there should remember that the NSA has these huge headquarters and server systems, and every single person is dedicated to database. And, the, and, and you know, I, I used to work for... Um, you know, I'm like a computer nerd. I, I grew up working around coders. One of my best friends went to Microsoft. Another one of my best friends turned into a database programmer at one of the military's biggest bases in Virginia. 
but I was more of the web designer and the graphics guy and more of an artist video editing. Um, and so over my past, over the pa- my past work history, I've worked with people who would create softwares just to get information. So for instance, I worked with a friend who created um, a task manager program, which became very large. And the whole purpose of the task management program was to help, was to get someone's business processes so you could sell it to someone else. So what is the best way to do that? Well, we created a task management software that you would sell to a business. They'd go in there and write all their business tasks and checklists and all this stuff. And because they've signed the contractor and that you've written in that all of your data becomes property of us and can be used for other purposes, you're just intaking those business processes and then just selling them to other people. And so the NSA kind of works hand-in-hand with corporations like Facebook and Google who database everything about us to either sell it or to use it for purposes of monitoring, you know, domestic issues or pressuring people, probably monitoring people like me who are doing activities like me, um, or to even blackmail people. You know, the same thing... um, You know, people should remember that when they go on Facebook and they put in their where they live, their hometown, their age, they put in their job and their work experience, there's an, a profile section. Then you, Facebook instantly creates a database with your name back at its headquarters and then starts indexing this demographic information about your person. And so then when you start updating your statuses and say, hey, I got a new boyfriend, that, that text actually goes back to a database which is monitored by human beings who then puts you into categories and with algorithms that puts you into categories. That information then gets sold to a company. Um, so for instance, let's say you type in, hey, I just got engaged. Well, that actually goes into Facebook. It gets databased and then advertisers who are selling ads on Facebook know that you're about to get married in six months. And in fact, if you go into Facebook ads, they, they even break it down by getting married in six months, getting married in 12 months, has already been married for 12 months. How much money do they make? Are they married? Are they a veteran? And so people are actually on their own volition, are going into these softwares and programs and just unloading their entire life, even in the secret questions. Where did you go to high school? Where did you go to middle school? What's your father's maiden name? What's your dog's name? What's the make of your first car? These are questions you probably shouldn't tell anybody. <laughs> you know, that's how they're going to steal things from you or blackmail you in the future. So, mm-hmm. Well, a lot of people would say, Tim, that that's just paranoia. That when you call a 911 number, even though you block it because it's an emergency number, that your number is going to pop up anyways. There's a lot of things that people would say is just straight paranoia by those who believe that the, that the government and everything is out to get them. What would you say about that? Well, I don't know. What do, you, what, what do people do when the government says, I'm here to help you? I mean, the Native Americans in the United States can tell you a lot about that. The government came to them and said, hey, I'm here to help you. In fact, you know, I, I think the government's only purpose should be to protect us from foreign enemies um, and then to make sure no one gets hurt. I mean, those are the basic functions of a government. And so it's when you start giving the government more control you start losing those freedoms and those choices in general, period. And you can't even battle against society. And that was supposed to be kind of the whole purpose of the United States was that 
the way the Constitution worked was it protected the individual from the group rather than the group from the individual. So, you know, in America you had um, very stringent, like, private property laws, privacy laws, freedom of speech laws, freedom of religion laws to protect you from what other people didn't want you to do. And even, and granted, these laws are to protect things that we don't like. They're not to protect us from things we like. They're to protect us from things we don't like. And so I think people's thirst for technology, maybe like clouds, you know, because it's so new. I mean, remember, I've been watching TV on my cell phone since the year 2000. Um, I mean, I was building computers in the 90s, you know, just like any of those old nerds back in the day. And so I've just, you know, I've been text messaging since like 1998. So I think that the way I've progressed in technology, I'm just a few years ahead. And so when I look at what's going on in society, you can kind of predict what's going on and how people's judgments are clouded. I mean, like right now, text messaging is popular. Like I promise you, it won't be popular in the future anymore. There's going to be something else like video conferencing because everything just goes in cycles, you know. So I think people's judgment right now, society as a whole is kind of clouded when it comes to how much information we're releasing. I mean, that was one of the things that really scared someone like myself about um, in the United States here, what you would call Obamacare, was that Obamacare was the first time that medical records in the United States were taken from paper folders in a wall and put online. It mandated that everything in a doctor's office, our medical records, got put online. And after the conversations we've just had about how the NSA takes all the electronic data, I mean, no one really understood that we just gave the government all of our medical records. So if they wanted to do massive tests like inside of a, let's say like inside of a shot, you know, now we're talking about the show, The X-Files. I mean, this is how they can do mass genetic studies or, you know, weird things like giving us colds and flus and seeing how the mass reacts to it because now they have all of our information and then it's uploaded every time you go to the doctor, just right into the internet. You know, we all, it was supposed to just stay inside your own doctor's office and no one was ever allowed to know about your private medical records. In fact, no one ever asked anybody here about what was going on with their health. It was kind of like, Hey, it's not any of your business. And now that's kind of changed. And now it's changed even more dramatic because we've had it for a while so kind of like an individual's healthcare has become everyone's business, you know? So that's kind of how like society is, is moving away. I think from, from Liberty, they don't kind of look at it the same way anymore because it's, it's just so easy. I mean, I like it too. I don't mind getting on Facebook and saying, Hey, to a bunch of people getting my UFO news or seeing UFO pictures. But I think I've been in it long enough and then also do it as a career that you've seen the backside and understand the intentions because always remember that Facebook is a corporation uh, funded by the share uh, paid for by the shareholders. So whatever the shareholders want is what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. We only have about 90 seconds left with you before we have to go to break with all the documentation that people have sent you in regards to this. Have you ever been tampered with by the government? Have you ever had false information sent by somebody that you tracked down that happened to maybe be governmental? Yes, I got a a weird call uh, last week. And in fact, the person never called back. 
and they were actually asking me to come check out a secret, um, like a secret project that had crashed a few years ago. And still to this day, kind of the military denies it. It's still classified. Um, and I'd say probably releasing certain aspects of it or talking about the locations is even classified. Maybe even like digging up uh, debris or anything like that may be classified. And so the questions this person asked me and the information they gave me was very weird. Um, and I never, never took it beyond that and never called them back. You know, I got to be really wary I don't accept like paper documents that have like a classified stamp on it. So, I mean, that will get you in trouble. You can't like receive like a, a stamped classified document from the government. That's actually like illegal. So there's certain things that I do watch out for. And yes, I do think there are people who try to lead me to do something that would get me in trouble, you know. Tim, you hold on because we are going to go to break here momentarily. Tim Doyle is our guest on Spaced Out Radio tonight. He comes on the third Monday of every month with UFO Seekers, our special that we do. Tim's website, very easy to remember, ufoseekers.com. He does all of his own videos. He does all of his own editing, sourcing, and he's the one who travels out with, along with his partner and girlfriend, Tracy, who go out to film these strange objects that could be in the day or night skies. Check it out, ufoseekers.com. We got one more hour of UFO talk tonight with Tim, and it's going to be a quick one hour indeed. So make sure you tune in right after the break here because it's going to be a lot more fun, and we're going to get into the potential of a UFO satellite being launched soon. We're going to talk about that in a little while, so make sure you stay tuned. Check out our brand new look website set up by Tim as well, spacedoutradio.com. Tell us what you think. Very easy to check around as well. You'll be with us. I will be with you. We'll be right back. Looking for a great weekend getaway this fall? Hi there. This is Dave Scott. Come on up to the heart of British Columbia for the first annual Spaced Out Radio Caribou Paracon, being held at the Spruce Hills Spa and Resort in 108 Mile Ranch, British Columbia. Speakers from all over North America are coming to discuss Bigfoot, UFOs, ghosts, and intuitiveness for the three-day event, September 29th to October 1st. For more information, go to spacedoutradio.com and click on the Caribou Paracon banner and book your tickets today. Come to BC, where the paranormal is waiting for you. The SOR Sightlines is a place for you to find answers to your strange experiences. Hi there, this is Mike Schmidt. If you have had an encounter with ghosts, UFOs, Bigfoot, ETs, or anything else that doesn't make sense, head to spacedoutradio.com and file a Sightlines report. All information you give is 100% confidential, and I will personally help you find the answers you need. SOR Sightlines, your answers are a click away. Have you got your Cosmic Passport? If you need one, tune in to Cosmic Passport on Spaced Out Weekend. This is Elizabeth Anglin, ET experiencer, spirit medium, and host of Cosmic Passport. Each weekend I'll be bringing you interviews and support from other paranormal experiencers, and the best in intuitive spiritual guidance from across the globe. It's all happening starting at 9 p.m. Pacific Time, midnight Eastern, 
on spacedoutradio.com. Hi there. I'm Butch Witkowski, lead investigator with Euphoricop. On the final Monday of every month, you can listen to me and host Dave Scott on Spaced Out Radio's Strange Days. We're going to get to the heart of the matter when it comes to what's happening out there. People are seeing and experiencing things from ET contact to Bigfoot, and I want to hear about it. Your experiences are what we investigators need to help solve these unknown mysteries. So tune in at spacedoutradio.com to the final Monday of every month from Butch Wachowski's Strange Days. This is your medium, Joanna, from Spaced Out Weekend, Two Mediums and a Large. I would love it if you would come and join us with host James Tyson every other Sunday on Spaced Out Weekend. Together, we will take your calls and your questions live. Our goal is to provide you with a positive outlook on deep questions that you may have. Questions regarding love, relationships, money, or whatever else is on your mind. Come and check us out at spacedoutradio.com. This is Eric Markham, news editor for Spaced Out Radio's The Encounter Online. We have put together a great team of writers and journalists from all over the world to bring you top-quality paranormal stories, from alien encounters to the latest conspiracies. You won't find any of that fake news here. True stories and top-notch reporting as we look to bring these experiences to the mainstream. The Encounter Online, only at spacedoutradio.com. Patrolling the Pacific Northwest, we are always on the lookout for the strange and unassuming stories that real people are experiencing. Hi, I'm Vincent Zunza from Pacific North Weird. Me and Alexandra Sullivan have teamed to bring to you those odd stories that never seem to make it into the mainstream. Stories so weird that we'll leave you scratching your head wondering, is this real? It's as real as it gets with Pacific North Weird. You can watch our videos right here at spacedoutradio.com. Become more intimate and interactive with Spaced Out Radio. Join our Space Travelers Club with your new membership. For $5 a month, we'll provide you with special access to the website, monthly prize draws from books to psychic readings, along with monthly newsletter, private interviews, and more. Sign up today to be part of Spaced Out Radio's experience. Looking for a place to advertise at a very reasonable cost? Look no further than Spaced Out Radio. SpacedOutRadio.com has an advertising tab that you can click to check out our daily, weekly, and monthly packages to play on the radio or our website including social media. From commercial spots to banners, we have it all. Check out our competitive pricing today. Don't have time to listen to Spaced Out Radio Live? Wherever you are, the car, the office, the shower, or even if you're traveling, we're right here for you. Each Spaced Out Radio show can be found on iTunes, TuneIn, and on our YouTube channel, Spaced Out Radio Show. It's the perfect way for you to catch up on our shows. For more information, just head over to our website, spacedoutradio.com, and tune in to us today. You hear footsteps in the empty room above you. A rocking chair begins rocking by itself. Don't be afraid of the things that go bump in the night. Reach for Spirit Story Box. The iPhone app the Huffington Post UK called the only ghost hunting app you will ever need. Spirit Story Box. The spirits are telling their stories. Are you listening? Strange creatures lurking in the night, the sounds of wood knocking in the forest, odd happenings right out of a fictional world. These are the reports I love. Hi there, this is author Ronald Murphy. 
and I would love it if you join me and Spaced Out Radio host Dave Scott the second Wednesday of every month on our journey into the unknown land of cryptozoology at spacedoutradio.com. From Mothman to Frogman and everything in between. Hey, they don't call me the crypto guru for nothing. Did you know that Spaced Out Radio runs seven days a week? Hi, it's James Tyson from Spaced Out Weekend. Every Saturday and Sunday night, starting at 9 p.m. Pacific, midnight Eastern, you can join me and my guests for some great chatter about what's going on out in the universe or even in that dark part of the basement you really don't want to go back into. Well, let's find the answers to your experiences together. So come on up to Uncle Jimbo's cabin on the weekend. For more information, look us up at spacedoutradio.com. The views and opinions expressed by tonight's guest and topic of discussion do not necessarily represent the official policy or position of Spaced Out Radio. Spaced Out Weekend, Spaced Out Radio Limited, its hosts, syndicated carriers, or anyone associated with this broadcast. You're listening to Spaced Out Radio with Dave Scott. Follow Dave on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio and hashtag Spaced Out Radio. And on Facebook, Spaced Out Radio Show. Now, back to the program. Welcome back to hour number three of Space Out Radio tonight. I am your host, Dave Scott. Good to have you with us. Tomorrow night on the program, John Kachuba is going to join us. He's a paranormal author with some really intriguing experiences. We're going to talk to him starting at 9 p.m. Pacific, midnight Eastern time at spacedoutradio.com. I will also give you a fire update just to see what is going on. Because I want to keep you guys updated with everything that you guys have been talking about as well and what you've been seeing what you've been doing with my posts in regards to the forest fire once again i i gotta tell all of you guys how much love i have for each and every one of you for everything that you guys have been doing in support of me my family and absolutely everyone involved with your prayers uh, to help you know, keep us safe with your, with your prayers, your words of kindness and everything. I, I'm still stunned. I'm still speechless over it. Thank you so much for being with us. Hey, we want to welcome in everyone listening in on WQEE 99, Rock the Key down in Noonan, Georgia, home of the Walking Dead. We are also live on the United Public Radio Network, 107.7 FM in New Orleans and over 160 countries around the world. Great to have you with us as well. We're live on KTLK, The Fringe FM, Renegade Talk Radio on out of Las Vegas. And if you're listening in on Revolution Radio, remember the Double R Machine is a donation station financed by you, the valued listener. Head on over to freedomslips.com and donate today. Bill Cardwell has set the password for tonight. In the SOR Space Travelers Club, Kefalonomancy. Kefalonomancy. Yes, Kefalonomancy. You know, Bill, I've been away for a week. Let's just have a little talk here, Bill. I've been away for a week. And this is what you start me off with, Kefalonomancy? Really? Really? Well, Bill sets a password each and every night right here on the Mighty SOR, so make sure you use your password wisely. Hey, if you want to follow us on social media, you can do so on Twitter, at Spaced Out Radio. Use the hashtag Spaced Out Radio if you want to connect with me live during the show as well. Give our Facebook page a like, Spaced Out Radio Show. You can also follow me on Instagram, Dave Scott, 
S-O-R. Tune us in on TuneIn. Download this show and others on iTunes. We're also on iHeartRadio in the United States. TalkStream Live, RadioGuide.fm, Player.fm, and Stitcher, our website, is spacedoutradio.com where we have a plethora of features for you including ufoseekers.com great videos that are going to be posted up there some great news in the encounter online put together by Everett Themer and Eric Markham our news editors my blog is on there as well I'm going to tell you what it's like to feel like an evacuee and it sucks trust me it sucks big time not the not the blog but you know the point about being an evacuee and we got so much more on there so make sure you check it out today we bring in tim doyle from ufoseekers.com tim is with us the third monday of every month tim welcome back thank you thank you buddy i gotta tell you man i feel a little rusty i feel a little rusty i mean you go away for a week i'm rusty right now man well that's what happens when you don't have like your same old dryer sheets and your pillowcases oh, and I know you know I know and you know what honestly I'm gonna try and take some pictures of my vehicle tomorrow because I want everybody to see how much ash is actually on my vehicle my vehicle is filthy right now filthy and it's all like ash that has fallen from these forest fires that have been carried for miles in order to drop on our area man you know i just like i said man i honestly cannot wait to get home i just want to go home and i want to get back in my regular studio i want to get back in my bed my shower get into some other clothes you know it's just i've had enough i'm just at that point it's those little creature comforts and the routine that we miss you know oh dude you have no idea well maybe you do have you ever been evacuated i have not i i I hope and pray that it never happens to you or anybody else on in spaced out radio land because it is it is brutal yeah but for some reason me and tracy go out and live out of the ufo seekers car in the middle of the desert on purpose for some reason That's different. You have a home to go to. <laughs> you know? Oh, it's so different. You have a home to go to. But, you know, uh, looking at Jennifer Frizzy's comments here in the Spaced Out Radio chat room on Spreaker, uh, she's like, yes, I hear you. She's feeling the same way. She wants to go home. And, you know, um, one of the things that, that I am... Uh, you know, fortunate for is once again, everything is safe and sound. My house is still standing. Apparently I have a new pet in my backyard, a, a mountain lion that has made its home. So, you know, I'm going to have to come up with a name. You know, I do want to share one story though. A couple of nights ago, a couple of nights ago, and John Connor, thank you. He's John saying in the Spreaker chat room, I know you're really tired of it, Dave, and I hope you and your family and your friends and neighbors get to go home soon again. I do too, my friend. I do too. Corey is in the chat room as well. She has been evacuated. She is a very good friend of mine. She's like a sister to me. And she wants to go home because she has the home of the SOR hot tub. And Corey, we got to have a, once you're back home, we got to have a hot tub night because I just think that's something we need to do. I think we need some good SOR hot tubbing in order to relax. 
you know, uh, I'm really starting to notice it right now where, where, you know, my nerves are all just wrapped up in one tight ball and, and, you know, so I'm feeling a little rusty because of that tonight. And, and I apologize to you, but I, I know everybody's going to be like, Oh, don't apologize. Don't do that. But I feel like I need to, maybe it's the Canadian in me, but you know, uh, thanks so much for coming on with me, Tim, and and being here and getting UFO Seekers. Now, usually we do three hours of this, but I want to say thank you for allowing it just to go two so I could bring Rob Fry in and talk about that for, the forest fire and the evacuations in the first hour. That meant a lot to me, man. Thank you so much. Yeah, no problem. No, it's important. Yeah, I think so. I think it is kind of important. Uh, Corey, mm-hmm. yes, I know it sounds good. Let's get back to that SOR hot tub. See, she lives, Corey, my, my, I like to call her my sister. She lives in 100 mile house. I live in 108 mile ranch, which is still, I mean, if the east, if the fires burn east, uh, my, my area is still in trouble, but she may actually be going home very, very soon here because it seems like in the next couple of days to a week, they may be, they may be, uh, allowing 100 mile house to be um for people to go back home which is really cool but you know what sucks around here right now i gotta tell you this we have so much smoke that is this big cloud of smoke that literally goes for miles everywhere you look you see this cloud of of forest fire smoke above and what really sucks right now tim is the northern lights are above us right now Really? Yeah. So the uh, northern the, look awesome, though, right? Well, you can't amazing, see them. Isn't it? Yeah, it is. I'd like to <laughs> see them. I, I'd like to see them, but but I can't, you know, because of this oh. damn smoke cloud, you know. So they oh, appara- they apparently started last night, and they will continue through today or tonight and tomorrow night. But you can't see the damn things. But I have to tell you this story quickly. So last year. Mrs. Spaced Out Radio goes down to the coast for a few days to visit family and friends. And one night, uh, you know, it was on the weekend. Corey calls me up. She's like, brother, what are you up to? And I'm like, I'm not, I'm not doing too much. And I'm like, she goes, why don't you come over for a beer and we'll sit in the hot tub and look up in the stars to see if we can see any UFOs. I'm like, yeah, that's great. Let's do that. You know, so here I am all pumped up and we're sitting there. You know, in the hot tub, and all of a sudden, I'm like, wow, the moon is really bright tonight. And and Corey's like, well, the moon really doesn't come from that direction. I said, well, that's east. That's where the moon has to come from. And she's like, that just seems weird. Next thing I know, it gets brighter and brighter and brighter, and there's no moon over us. Well, little did I know that all of a sudden, you look up in the sky, man, and there's the dancing lights. So here we are in the SOR hot tub, me and Corey having a beer and watching the northern lights all around us for like two hours. It was the most amazing thing, man. The most amazing yeah, thing. That's the way it's You are a lucky man. That is a great view. Well, you know, hopefully when you come up here in the fall, you know, we'll be able to see the uh, northern lights. Hopefully, they'll be up and ru- and going at the time you're here. That would be a lot of fun. You know, the right. other th- the other thing I wanted to mention quickly, 
before we get back into some UFO talk here, is I actually, a couple of nights ago, we actually had a, 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 uh, a clear night, and I could actually see stars for the first time in about a week. And I actually went outside, and I was screaming, Carl, where the hell are you? Where are you, Carl? Like, if any time, I'm so stressed out by all of this, any time, I'm like, you know what? You can come get me or come say hello any time. Well, I got no-showed again, man. He stood me up. Damn it, Carl. We got to get, you know what we got to get on the Spaced Out Radio store? Is we actually have to get some Damn It, Carl t-shirts made up. (laughs) Or the elusive Carl. Yeah. We gotta get like damn it damn it Carl in writing and then just a little alien head down below it. I want that yeah. shirt. I want that shirt. Or that uh that that famous meme with the ancient alien guys with the big hair and he's got his hands out and it just says like Carl. <laughs> well, I think Giorgio Sukalos may have a, a little bit of an issue with us selling his his likeness. You know, but I can tell you this: we got to get some Carl T-shirts. You know, very, very, very soon up on the Space Out Radio website because I'm getting pissed off with Carl. I, I, I really am getting pissed off with Carl. I, he needs to come back, and I think we need some damn it Carl T-shirts. That's my opinion. That's a good idea. Absolutely. I love it. Yeah, let's do it. We have that. Pro- we have that ability to do that. You know, and maybe if enough of us wear damn it Carl t-shirts with the alien head, maybe Carl will show up. You know? Yeah. Or I like where's Carl. Yeah, where's Carl like, or we can do whatever we want. We have the power to do that. Hey my friend, Tim Doyle from ufoseekers.com. Later this week, I'm going to on Friday, I'm going to have a gentleman named David Shock come on the program. And he works for a company called Fine Line Labs which is spread out all over Canada and the United States. And later this summer, they are actually going to be in the Mojave Desert launching what they call CubeSat 4 Disclosure. So they build satellites, and they are building a satellite called CubeSat 4 Disclosure, which is going to have a three-month mission 179 miles above Earth. And CubeSat 4 Disclosure is going to be its main job, its only job, is to track any potential UFO sightings that happen. What do you think about something like that? Because this is really something to the public eye that has never really been done. Yeah, I think it's a a great idea, and that's what we need in this community is people who are thinking outside the box and thinking about new ways to bring evidence forward, and I couldn't think of a better way than sending a miniaturized satellite like CubeSat 4 um, with the cameras it has, because it has uh, two 360-degree cameras, and it also has things like radiation sensors. Um, so hopefully if it does catch something, we'll uh, all get to see it. And that's the great thing about that project is they're doing it for the public, so everything that it would catch or capture 
uh, they'd actually disseminate it out into the public eye. So they're not sending this thing up up there to capture evidence to keep it for themselves. They want, uh, I think, like anyone who's genuine is really trying to answer this question of what's going on. Are there crafts uh, visiting from other planets or other solar systems? What I'm excited about is we're going to be getting you press passes through Spaced Out Radio to actually cover this event. And so you will hopefully be able to catch this launch live as part of Spaced Out Radio. I'm very excited by that. And that will be awesome. And definitely, uh, yeah, we post some uh, information on the blog on spacedoutradio.com um, and definitely would make an episode about it and it's going to be occurring the launch will be occurring in the mojave desert here in california uh so it's uh very close to our location so uh, we're very excited about that now i don't think there is an actual confirmed launch date as of yet i haven't been able to find one we'll try and confirm that on friday night when david shock is on this program talking about cubesat for disclosure now one of the things that i'm curious about is i don't think three months is enough i know that satellites a lot of the satellites up there have uh, a lot of um you know, a time limit on everything that they do. And I can understand that. However, if this satellite doesn't capture anything, does this mean, is this a blow to ufology if it doesn't capture anything? No, I don't think so because, I mean, the whole point of it is it's unexplained. It is definitely not as easy as just go here for this time frame and you're going to get something. It's definitely more complicated like that. It's almost like you have to catch it in the act, you know, like it didn't even know you were there and you just happened to be there, um, which is exactly why we feel it's better for us to visit a different spot every day. So we don't continuously day after day necessarily dedicate our time to just one location. We're constantly bouncing around Um, Because especially if you're going to witness some type of experimental military project or get that UFO sighting, there is no exact science about go go to A and you'll see B. Um, So, but that's not, you know, but that's definitely not the priority. The priority is to cover the most area we can. You know, it's just like trying to monitor asteroids or meteors that might hit the Earth. So the more sky that we can watch, the more likely it is for us to catch something. And I think in the UFO community, it's the same way. You know, we need more people going and hunting or seeking uh, these objects to bring that evidence forward. And, you know, I think there needs to be more people doing it before we get more hard evidence. Because I can even see, you know, with the evidence we captured, it's you just you always kind of need that little bit of more. It's really hard to to persuade people. So, but if this CubeSat can catch something out in space, that's, it becomes very hard to call that swamp gas. Very understandable in regards to that. However, I I just want to focus, if it does not catch anything, 
Do you think the pundits out there who are the so-called UFO experts or research experts in this field will say, oh, well, that's because, you know, government infiltration, maybe somebody from NASA got a hold of the of the true photos that it captured or it's just doctored? How do we know, in your opinion, and we'll find out more Friday night with David Schock, but how do we know that this is not going to be doctored in any way, much like many feel the SETI program where all the satellites are saying that have been set up, you know, looking for signals, them saying they've never caught anything after years and years and decades of research. Could it be the same sort of issue that we see here? Definitely. But I would try to throw in in this perspective. And I mean, we are talking about a topic which we could call speculative, because of course, we're talking UFOs. So we're speculating on what's going on. Um, but from my perspective, I don't necessarily think that an extraterrestrial UFO is just this metal disc that flies from another planet. To me, there are reports and things that happen of low-flying orbs, um, things running into, like an orb running into a vehicle, seeing something flash into nothing, seeing an object in the sky, and then it just flashes into nothing, so it's not going anywhere. And so if these beings or these crafts are interdimensional, they're literally just appearing close to the surface of the Earth. So I don't necessarily see like an Independence Day movie in my head and there's this huge mothership that is coming and it's flying past the moon. So I don't, you know, I try not to hang too much on that's what these things are because, I mean, if you're studying the Bible and you're reading about these ancient UFO sightings and people seeing um, fires in the sky or like the Chinese religion when the emperor flies away on a dragon that breathed fire, I mean, they're having those those same experiences then, and even some of those sightings, the things are just appearing from nowhere. So I wouldn't be too concerned if it doesn't catch anything. Um, I don't think it's doctored. Honestly, I, I, I think it's amazing, but I am very concerned about how the militaries will treat it because I know that there's a lot of military influence in the way they monitor space, and I know there's projects going out on out there. So I don't know where the military would draw the line on if they catch one of these secret Boeing spacecrafts or something. I mean, are they just going to release that to the public? So I can assume that if anything's getting sent into space, um, that it's going to be regulated by government agencies and there's going to have to be some um, editing and going through of these images. I, I can really see that happening. So I can see it being edited. That's the sad part, even if it is a a private study and research. You know, I, I don't I think when it comes to space, I think space is way too controlled to just let anybody and their dog try and get out there. I mean, we look at the yeah. all, these, all these private contractors, whether it's Elon Musk or Richard Branson who are trying to build these spacecraft for for space tourism, and yet it, they all seem to be failing. You know, the technology is there and I realize it's difficult, but I can't continue to understand this continuous failure that we keep seeing with all these private, you know, groups trying to get into space. 
And considering none of us really understand that, do you think that probably there will be some sort of blockage in regards to it? And yes, I, I know you're speculating on that, but I'm just curious your yeah, opinion. But, yeah, because I think there is more going on out there. Um, and especially if the government is hiding some kind of alien technology, so they've definitely achieved the ability to get out into space. And even if they haven't received alien technology, they're still already out in space. Um, and so that's what I would worry about is this this satellite catching something like a secret space station or catching some secret alien base or some secret UFO docking station that might be up there. Um, so I see the military getting very involved, you know, and that's kind of where me and Tracy have that freedom. I mean, we're holding our own cameras in our own space. We're getting out there and no one's doctoring it by, you know, it's getting up as fast as we can run back to the computer and get it up on YouTube, so. I understand that. Do you think, though, and once again, I have no expertise in what happens in space. I do know that, the, you know, that, you know, the International Space Station flies about three, 400 miles above Earth. But do you think 179 miles above is enough because it seems like such a relatively small number in order to get into some sort of orbit or maybe that's the only orbit they were allowed to put it i don't know but it seems pretty low correct and i would assume that would be the case is that it's been prescribed a certain orbit but it should be enough to to catch it i mean we can tell when we are out and see a satellite um we've seen so many um, repetitively that we can tell if it's a low orbit, mid orbit or high orbit satellite. Um, cause that's how they're flying the satellites. There's typically three separate orbits, um, the low, the mid and the high. Um, but no, I don't think it really matters because once you're getting outside the atmosphere, the clarity, um, and if the cameras have some type of zoom, the only thing I'd be worried about is if the cameras aren't zooming. Um, and like I said before, it, it is, these objects and whatever is going on happen so fast and so quickly. Um, you know, me and Tracy, that's, we're like um, fast draws. You know, if you went back to the Wild West and you got, you're carrying around your six shooter, you know, you got to be a quick draw because you got to deal with duels. And seeing UFOs is extremely similar to that. You always got to have a camera charge. It's got to be on. Your focuses are set right. The, um, like, the exposure settings are set right. You know, you've got it in manual mode and you're set up with your tripod and you're waiting for this object to come. And for me and Tracy, it's, there's two of us looking, so we're doubling our chances. And by the time we see something, we have a camera up and pointed on it in a matter of five to ten seconds. Um, and so being there physically, I mean, five to ten seconds is how long it takes us physically having control of everything to do it. Um, so... I don't know how, like, the satellite's going to capture images, but if there's something flying by fast, it's just going to be taking, um, like, a standard video, and you're going to have to enhance it and zoom in to see something. And I think that's kind of the difference when we have the human control. We can really zoom in um, and react to what's going on, especially if it's intelligent, you know. So at least we have kind of a similar intelligence back to move or change what's going on, even pick up a different camera. And even at the same time, taking video and camera, or having like thermal infrared because um, we take out uh, green infrared, white infrared. We carry a thermal camera. Then we have like our standard visual video cameras 
and we're also taking still cameras. So we have a lot that we have, um, including three drones. Um, I even have like five GoPros we take with us, a telescope. Um, I have long lenses, so I even have for our still photography camera, a 2600 millimeter lens. And so I have, uh, me and Tracy have an assortment of, of cameras, video cameras, still cameras to choose from when something happens. And I think that's very important. I want to just read this from their website. It says, now a bit on disclosure. For the past 70 years, the topic of extraterrestrial intelligent beings and UFOs has been controversial, if not ridiculed. Despite many sightings and events, government, military, and media have made a strong attempt to discredit the idea of extraterrestrial aliens. And in the face of their apparent disbelief of the topic, the same military and governments have spent huge amounts of money secretly studying these ridiculous UFOs and aliens. Thanks to freedom of information and the actions of many with first-hand experience, thousands of documents, witness testimony, and data have surfaced, making the ridicule posed on UFOlogy by media and government seem staged and forced with a very secret intent, to name a few reasons why this topic is important and why it must be subjected to rigorous scientific study. Number one, countries are beginning to release highly classified documents proving their government's interest in aliens and UFOs. Two, hundreds of highly credible witnesses have come forward with testimony that at least some UFOs are verifiable alien technology. These witnesses include a former Canadian defense minister, so that's Paul Hellyer, numerous astronauts, high-ranking U.S. military officials, pilots, and more. What our project aims to do is to use a low-orbit satellite controlled by us individuals to study potential objects that emit high-energy radiation. Maybe we'll get the data readings and pictures of solar flare causes auroras caused auroras maybe we'll capture images of some very interesting meteors and maybe we'll actually capture a verifiable craft all we can do is try and by doing this our way we can open source the data to you the individuals now to me when i read that tim and i'm curious to get your opinion it almost seems like they are doing this in defiance of government with this private project. Do you think that's even possible when it comes to space? Yes, and I think you should double-check because maybe that guy's an American because that sounds like the American spirit is like the rebel revolution, revolutionary at heart, you know? Mm, Um, I love it. I think it's great. And and we need more people like that and more people to take it serious like that because... We take the positions we do, and like I said from the outset, we have like a societal point of view that kind of drives the way UFO seekers looks at the UFO phenomenon. So it can be taken serious. Because if I want to go have a conversation with someone like Elon Musk um, or Paul Allen, who's doing Stratolaunch, and I want to ask these guys, hey, can I go... Can you talk to me serious, seriously about this topic? Can I tell you about what I've seen? Um, can you tell me anything about what's going on or what you think about um, the alien question? And you're never going to get taken serious if 
everything is an alien and a UFO because it's not. And just because one person can't explain it doesn't mean another person can't explain it. And so that's, we need more people like the CubeSat 4 disclosure team because the way they're approaching the topic is absolutely correct. When you go out in society, it's a fringe topic. It's not accepted. It's something that people laugh at. We experience the same thing. I mean, cars pull up next to us when we're out on a trip and they laugh at us. And that's okay. You know, they, it, it's an, an insult to their intelligence in a way. But when you present it like uh, this team has, that's when you bring more credibility to it and people take it more serious because you're not just jumping to a conclusion because in anything in life, you just jump to a conclusion and no one's going to take you serious. So you've got to have that middle-of-the-road perception. And we completely support what they're doing. I mean, we would love to meet these guys and bounce ideas back and forth and uh, learn more about their perspectives. Mm-hmm. I and I can get that, and I and I understand learning the perspectives is very important when it comes to this, you know. But is there, you know, I've never really looked into this. This story kind of just, you know, you get those stories every now and again that just kind of fall in your lap, and this one just kind of fell in my lap in regards to this. And I'm hoping, to be honest with you, that they have some great success because I mean I'm sure you've witnessed. You know the the weird videos that come from the the live feed on on the International Space Station, where sometimes it just happens to get cut off. You know what I'm saying? And and we've <laughs> yeah. seen those. I'm very very hoping that they are able to capture something of quality and maybe of sensitivity that will ruffle a few feathers. You know, because one way or another, like you said, they can't say it's swamp gas. They can't say it's space dust. You know? <laughs> right, you know, right. Mate, and that's mate. exactly why me and Tracy do what we do. Because, well, I mean, we're sitting right now in a modern era, the space revolution. And there is so many people in society who don't understand what's going on around them as they're just staring at their cell phone and watching TV. They're not realizing that the space race is alive again. And there's people who are serious about getting humans out into um, or onto other planets and living in different environments away from Earth. And me and Tracy, we're, I mean, we're Star Trek nuts, Dave. We, we watch Star Trek Voyager, Star Trek Enterprise, uh, the original Star Trek over and over and over because we just love the idea of humans being explorers again in the universe is so immense and so gigantic. Who knows what kind of answers are out there, what kind of other beings are out there, um, especially from like Star Trek. Is there a Q type being out there that can actually manipulate space and dimensions and time? Um, and so that's what it's all about, Dave, exploration. I mean, the more people we get dedicated to exploring this phenomenon, the more it can get taken serious, but bring it back to a serious level. Cause imagine Dave, if the CubeSat does see something, it will disprove a lot of other things that people have mistaken, you know? So it could have other effects on the UFO community that people never thought of and maybe more in a negative way. Um, but that's why we approach this alien question the way we do, because 
if you've ever seen Star Trek First Contact, when they first meet the Vulcans, I mean, imagine having a friend who every light in the sky they see, they see an alien. But then the Vulcans actually come and they're like, no, we're the only alien race that's around here and it's not so dramatic. They're not some giant squid-looking thing. They're just the normal-looking beings and their ears were a little different. And so I think it kind of brings people back to, to normalness. And who knows, maybe the CubeSat will catch something and we can start answering these questions and start moving on to more important things, understanding that there is other beings out there. Um, so, you know, people's religious philosophies and their perspectives on fighting other countries and stuff hopefully will change. I got a question from Joe here. He says, just notice the name of tonight's show, Forest Fires and UFOs. Do we know if any forest fires have ever been started by a crashed UFO? But I'll add a little caveat to that and basically say, do we know if there is a higher concentration of UFO sightings during disasters like forest fires? You know, I have never received one report of a UFO near a forest fire. And it's strange to me because... Um, we will actually, like right now, there is a forest fire near our location and near a location we go often and we kind of go more because of the forest fire. You would think that it might be some kind of beacon or signal because it can be easily seen from up in space. Uh, but personally, I have not had an experience around a forest fire or received a story um, of, a, of a fire being started by one. And hopefully, if we did have those advanced uh, races visiting, uh, they wouldn't damage <laughs> nature or anything like that. Hopefully, they'd, you know. <laughs> uh. Well, at least if the if the UFO fire department could follow that, <laughs> you know, that would be, you know, somewhat entertaining and mesmerizing. I'm not going to lie. That would be kind of cool to watch. That would be kind of cool I have. to watch. Um, like huge rainstorms, I have received many sightings. In fact, we have a video up of a, a UFO that divides on video. So it's just one object and it splits into three and it happened right, be right in the middle of a huge rainstorm we were having here that lasted for months. And there was this weird break in it one day and we were filming for like an hour while the clouds broke and that's when we captured this object. So personally I have had experiences with rain and UFOs and also received stories about um, UFOs and like thunderstorms, hurricanes, um, correlations between that event, those events. So There have been videos, truthful or not, but there seems to have been some high-quality videos taken of UFOs ducking in and out of erupting volcanoes. And when we live on Volcano Alley here, I mean, you're right in the thick of it in Northern California, or you're at the start of it. Then we, you know, we go through Oregon, Washington State, and believe it or not, where I am sitting right now, there is a dormant volcano here that has been silent for over a million years. Let's just knock on wood with everything that's gone on. That, that doesn't change. However, there have been a lot of UFO sightings around volcanoes, Tim. And even in great videos of when they've actually been 
you know, erupting and you see UFOs kind of like ducking in and out of the ash at times. Do you think that maybe something like that, you know, considering we've seen so many UFOs around these volcanoes on the Pacific Northwest, that maybe they get some sort of energy off of that? It could be, or just think about it like our, um, we sent a satellite out to look at, I believe it was one of Jupiter's moon. Uh, moons, and we ended up capturing an eruption on the moon. Uh, one of the, I believe it was the first eruption that we'd ever videotaped on another body. And so think of it that way, Dave. If you were an alien and you were coming to another planet, you'd be some type of scientist or, or interested in science. You wouldn't be a football player in your spaceship. You'd be someone dedicated to knowledge. And so that's what you'd be looking for. A volcanic eruption, especially one on a huge scale, would be uh, very interesting to a scientist and would give them lots of data just between visual operations, uh, frequencies being sent out, and just think about the way animals uh, react to a possible eruption, even earthquakes they can sense before fault lines give or volcanoes give. So they're sensing that same kind of frequencies or wavelengths that an advanced technology would be able to pick up. So it would give them tons of scientific data. And that's what we feel. We feel that beings coming here are scientists, and that's why they're doing abductions. And they're interested in visiting um, places where they can do these, this type of research or these type of projects without having any interruption. So that's why you'd find them in like national parks, out in the forests. Hey, someone's driving on a long stretch of highway and there's no one else. You know, don't expect a scientist from another planet to just come and fly over a large city. That wouldn't wouldn't necessarily be their intentions uh, from our perspective. So I do think that if you find these unique geological places, you're going to find correlations. But one of the main correlations I think there is is between uh, Native American spots. And I know out here in the United States and Arizona and even here in California, uh, there's petroglyphs located by places like Barstow, California, Ridgecrest, California. And in fact, many people don't know that there is a huge amount of petroglyphs in California that no one knows about. Most of them are located on military bases, and the government keeps them kind of silent and secret. But those are the places where we have that UFO activity, and what do you know, even the military builds their bases there. Do you think they maybe pick up on the spirituality of near native land? I think it might have something more to do with ley lines. And who knows, maybe even these Native Americans, maybe these places they live had been picked out by what people refer to as the ancient alien beings, the first beings that were here, maybe even if we're extraterrestrial ourselves. And so I do think that these specific locations had some type of ley line or uh, magnetic field associated with them, which uh, an alien craft would use for like a compass if they were going to land on a planet, so they need like landmarks. And that's where I think these places are, and that's why you had those, Native Americans writing the petroglyphs about uh, pictures of things in the sky and of spacemen 
And that's why they stayed at those locations, because they became religious places. And so you would always come back and have your religious celebrations or your sacrifices, you know, anything that was involved with their old religions, because that's where the things came out of the sky. So, Tim, when you are looking for something in the sky, and let's talk satellites here for a few minutes, because we talked about the Cube 4 satellite that's going up to look for UFOs later this summer on a three-month mission. And you mentioned in that conversation that there's three levels of satellites on their own orbit around the Earth. So when people are looking up in the sky, how do you decipher what is a satellite and what isn't then? Most by the, uh, like the luminosity of the object and the color that you're seeing. Definitely the size of it is important. Um, the low Earth object is obviously like bigger because it's closer to us. Um, but when you see those little tiny satellites where it's just the little white light, that is a high Earth satellite. You know, when you're seeing the space station, it's huge, but it's white. Um, but me and Tracy have observed many times an orange object. And so that's the kind of thing we're looking for. I mean, the truest form of light is blue. And so the typical like satellite reflecting light is coming from the sun. So they're always the same color. Um, and I think people should keep that in mind. When we're seeing a satellite, we're not seeing like a light from, you know, it's, there's not like a beacon light on it, like on our airplanes here on the surface. Um, we're actually seeing like a reflection off the solar panels. And so we're seeing the sun's visible light. So you always have kind of that same color and the same sizing. And also that's why you'll see a satellite come in and out because the satellite is um, some of them are rotating in such a way that it catches the reflection of the light um, and it'll actually look like it's kind of fading in and then coming back. It'll blink kind of as it's going through the sky, but in a repetitive fashion. Um, and also people can get like on an app, like on their mobile phone and their satellite tracking apps. And that's probably the best thing to do. You know, if you see something in the sky, jump on your satellite app. And if you don't see it, I mean, hey, even if it is just still a satellite, it's not on anything being monitored. So you may be witnessing something military. Um, and also you may be seeing like the military's cloaking device, which is the, the big orange ball. You know, now you're seeing like a stealth aircraft or a secret aircraft that's flying and they engage the orange uh, ball of light that I call it. And it's just that cloaking device that goes around it. So... Have you ever caught any of these so-called cloaking devices on camera for your investigation? Yes. If people go uh, to our YouTube channel, they'll see I have a video called uh, a UFO over a farm, like UFO captured over a farm. That is the cloaking device. You can, um, the sun was just setting, so it had just dropped behind the mountains, and there's still light in the sky, so you still have a little blueness. And all of, um, well, Tracy and me had been receiving reports from some farmland out here. So we live in Bakersfield, California. I mean, it is farm central, uh, which is why it's a hotspot for UFOs. This is where uh, 
all most of our foods grown out here in Bakersfield. So we're investigating at this farm. We're sitting in the middle of a farm uh, in the dark. There's nothing around. You know, there's just stalks everywhere. We've kind of driven into the middle of it. And right above us at 90 degrees above our heads, all of a sudden this orange ball appears um, in probably the size of a jetliner at about 10 to 15,000 feet. So the jetliner would be very low and seem big. Uh, this orange ball is that size and then continues on a path towards what would be China Lake. And then if you even went past China Lake in the desert, there would be Area 51. So it kind of flies in that path line. And it actually appeared um, separate from the space station. So we had been observing the space station on our app and it was after the space station had gone by, this object came uh, roughly about 10 minutes later. So we don't know if it had some correlation with the space station. Was it following the space station? Um, but from our perspective, it looked like it was entering the atmosphere. So we believe that when it came right above us, this glowing orange object came into the atmosphere. Uh, but it was glowing orange because it, it was an object entering the atmosphere and then they engaged what's called the cloaking device. And it's just this orange ball of light that surrounds a craft and you can't see the craft. It's just an orange ball no matter which way you look at it. And then the object is flown back to a military base. And that uh, specific sighting could be a UFO, but more than likely I believe it's it's the cloaking device, but at the same time it's a UFO because no one knows what it is. And we had been receiving reports of these weird lights, um, balls of light appearing. And so we believed that we found the answer to what these farmers had been seeing. Uh, but at the same time, I, I'm trying to provide an answer. And from a military source, um, that's my answer. Um, because I did provide this evidence to someone in the military. And that was the answer I received from my source. Um, that it wasn't an extraterrestrial craft. That it was... Um, an, un an unidentified object, they wouldn't tell me what it was. So I don't know if it's like a military UFO. And I'm telling you, if they're flying it over a city like this and using the cloaking device, you know that whatever the craft is, that it's highly sensitive. And so who knows? It could be some type of uh, alien technology craft that they're hiding inside of the ball of light. Um, but luckily, we caught it perfectly on video. And that's completely our mission. <clears throat> For a lot of people, Tim, they will say that, you know, there's, you know, there are justifications to the lights in the sky and whether or not it's just a reflection from the sun off of space junk or whether it is actually a satellite that is rotating or whether it's a UFO. How do you decipher then a UFO from a satellite? Now, you mentioned the light, the, you know, the reflection, but is it speed? Because I have noticed, yes. as, a, as a stargazer, I I have noticed, and, and what I've said to my friend Corey and, and other people who looking into the sky, if you watch the satellites enough, you can pretty much memorize their speed. I mean, you can't tell how Correct. fast they're going, but, but you can memorize their speed and their trajectory. Is that how you do it as well? And maybe explain Correct. that a little bit. Yes, and in fact, if... Uh, people look at our uh, last episode we just uploaded from Fraser Mountain here in California. Uh, the, the orange 
lights or the large the larger light objects that we have in that video does that same action it, it's going slow above us and then as it starts going farther from us it starts going faster when you should actually have kind of the opposite happening um, and that's what you're looking for you're looking for it to kind of slow down move I mean if it makes a left-hand turn it's probably not a satellite it's something else going on um, and a satellite will maintain that continuous speed um, and a satellite isn't usually lighted like the entire time. And they typically come at the same times during the day. So if you go outside your house um, at sunset and sunrise, those are the times when you see a satellite. So if you're outside your house, um, and I'm just saying this from California because I know the uh, sunrise and sunset's a little different where you're at, Dave. Um, but for us, the sun goes down about 8, 30, 9 o'clock. And so if you're seeing something at 1 o'clock in the morning, the sun is on the opposite side of the earth, and so you aren't going to have that reflection of light. So you have a high probability that what you're seeing is definitely not a satellite, especially if you see it travel um, the entire length of the sky at a time like one in the morning, um, because that's what's happening. When the sun goes down at sunset and it dips behind the mountain, there's still sun rays um, so if you started climbing in altitude like a drone or an aircraft, all of a sudden you'd see the sun again. So as a satellite travels in space above us, even though from our position the sun is dipped down behind the mountains, the sun rays are still going up through the atmosphere and out into space. And that's why we're catching that reflection. We're catching a reflection at those specific times. And that's why we see the satellites. So, I mean, definitely, if you're out in early morning and the sun's on the opposite side of the earth and you're seeing things flying through the sky, who knows what you're looking at? That's crazy. Well, I can tell you right now, it's a little screwy around here come, come summertime. And I can tell you, it's, uh, you know, if you wake up at 3.30, quarter to 4 in the morning, it is actually starting to get bright out. It's ridiculous here. I've never seen anything wow. like it. So, I mean, wow. right, right now the sun is fully setting around, you know, the sun sets probably around 9.30 right now. By the time it actually gets dark, you're looking at about 11 o'clock. And then it starts to rise and the, everything starts to change around 3.30, 4 o'clock in the morning. And, of course, that's now going to get wow. a little bit later every day as we're on the back end of the year now. So it is a little bit different here. And, and trust me, man, it is hard to get used to, very hard to get used to. But people should remember, too, Dave, that the satellites are in orbit. They don't have typically a constant propulsion. So a satellite is getting you know, pushed with a rocket up into space, and then basically it just has some thrusters used to move it in case it's going to hit something else. But the main rocket that takes it up is providing all of the propulsion, and then it's just going into a standard orbit where, you know, it's kind of reaching that balance with gravity and leaving the Earth. And just, you know, so if it's going too slow, it would fall out of orbit. So I think people should should take that into consideration. If you're seeing something that's barely moving through the sky, um, just like you said, Dave, after you've watched them long enough, 
they all have kind of that same speed, and scientifically, it's actually a number speed they have to achieve to stay in orbit. So if you know if it's going real slow, hey, that thing should fall out of the sky. And so obviously, there's something else going on. Mm -hmm. Tim, we only got about a minute left with you, my friend. Fill us in on where people can get more information on UFO seekers. Uh, yeah, you can visit our website, and we do post our videos straight to there. Uh, we also maintain a blog where people can see the places we visit, and we're trying to get more uh, reoccurring by posting uh, daily or every other day a blog post showing uh, night shots, uh, videos, or evidence that we captured. Because uh, a lot of the times people say, hey, your videos, it seems like you catch stuff all the time. Well, the true reality is we hardly catch anything ever because it's a really they're really hard to catch. And so we're actually spending every day going out. If you visit our website, you can see more of those things. It's ufoseekers.com. You can see us on YouTube. Um, our channel is just UFO Seekers. And that's where we post all our content. You can visit us on Facebook, UFO Seekers, or on Twitter, uh, UFO Seekers. We're also on Instagram and Pinterest. And if they visit uh, our website, we also have like a gift shop if they want to buy like UFO Seekers hats. Um, and we also have like coffee mugs with a picture of the entrance to Area 51. So if you want to drink coffee and stare at the entrance to Area 51, there you go. Thank you so much, my friend. You hold on. I'm going to wrap this thing up. If you're listening in on the Space Out Radio side, you hear Mr. Ron Bumblefoot Thal cranked up in the background with the little, little brother is watching. Bumblefoot, the official music of SOR. I want to thank Tim for being on our show. Tomorrow night on the program, John Kachuba is coming with us. He is a paranormal author who discusses everything strange and weird. He's a very famous author author when it comes to these topics 9 p.m pacific midnight eastern time but most of all i want to thank all of you last week was a very tough week on me and this show personally but i want to say thanks for filling us on in here guys i really appreciate it it means a lot it really means a lot to have your love your support for what we do around here I am safe. I am sound. I want to make sure that all of you are. Do me a favor. Continue to tell a friend about this show. Help spread the word on social media because together we own the night. I'll talk to you in exactly 21 hours from now. Mr. Bumblefoot, take us home. <laughs>